listening to episode 8 of The Comics Pals. We are a group of comic book journalists and friends who've decided to do a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. We're here to kick ass and read comics, and we're all out of comics. The boys are back in town! <laughs> <laughs> if, if it isn't clear to you from that, we are actually all in the same room. Uh, we made the journey to Pete's house in Jersey, Live to, from New Jersey. Yeah. To hang out. We're like Bruce Springsteen. So this is the first the first episode of the Comics Pals where we're all in the same room. It's been a blast. We've stayed overnight at Pete's. And uh, yeah, we're we're nearing the tail end of our trip here. Been having a good time. But we had to do an episode, so here we are. I've been nearing the the tail end of Phil. <laughs> That's weird. Lay the pipe. <laughs> it's the cream of the crop. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the cream always rises to the top. Guys, this is why I don't like doing this stuff with you in the same room. <laughs> I can't leave. Failed experiment. <laughs> Woo! All right, all right. We're we're very silly today. Uh, we didn't get enough sleep, obviously. But uh, thank you for joining us. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes, be sure to leave a star rating and comment. Uh, you can listen to us on SoundCloud as well and YouTube. Like, share the video, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, so I want to talk about what we're reading because it has been a big week in comics, actually. Pete, why don't you start us off? Sure. Um, I, not too much to report this week. Um, I've been kind of like catching up on some of my backlog, and I was reading a lot of Walking Dead this week, um, last week and a half, I guess. And uh, I, right up until about the introduction of The Whispers, I was reading month to month, and then um, I took kind of a, a pretty long break from the book, and I just caught up, I think, I'm, I think I'm about 10 issues behind now at this point, so I'm, I'm getting near um, the, uh, the, the war, like, that is, I guess, the end of the, the Whispers storyline, so um, I'm excited to kind of see that come to a conclusion, because... Um, there's been some interesting bits to it, but like I've found them over overall as like a group of antagonists to be like kind of underwhelming. I'm a lot more interested in like, and this is just like I think a thing with me as a Walking Dead fan is I'm a lot more interested in just like the day to day conversations and like the infrastructure of like the world they're building and the kind of like Wild West vibe that's been present in the the um, post time skip stuff. Um, so I'm ready for them to move on to a new antagonist. Oh, that's still a pretty popular comic. Yeah, right. Top 10 every month. People yeah. people seem to like it. Yeah. I heard they're going to make a TV show about it, actually. Really? Yeah, yeah. What's oh. it going to be called? Never, yeah, I don't know. It'd um, never work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, how, how could they ever really, like, bring that to life, right? I feel like the effects are just too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Call back. Kale? Uh, yeah, so I read uh, uh, the new uh, Power Man and Iron Fist. From the Marvel uh, Marvel Now line mm -hmm. from uh, David Walker and I believe Sanford Green. I could be wrong on the oh, artist name. Oh, that's the portion but... of the show where Kale gets names wrong. <laughs> 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 uh, but uh, yeah, it was really good. Um, the bu the book itself is sort of um, sort of your average like superhero stuff, but they do kind of introduce like smaller nuggets that are are really interesting, like. A street level magic uh, that like Doctor Strange and uh, Iron Fist don't know about that is like plaguing like it's the you know the main topic of the book or whatever um, and it's it's a really interesting notion that there's 
you know, much like, you know, the concept of like white privilege or whatever, there's, there's a, a, a version of that in, in the magic uh, of the Marvel universe. Hmm. Um, and that's, I found that really fascinating. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Nothing is standing out. Cool. Okay. All right. How about you, Marco? I was reading All-Star Superman <laughs> and Spider-Man Blue, which I had, had like, dropped halfway through. But You're an unbelievable monster. No, I never thought I'd say that to you. It's for different. So I, I mean, it's about like halfway through the book for Spider-Man Blue, and I had read those issues previously uh, during the, the, the Stan Lee and the, I think Ramita might have been drawing it, or if not, did co-sell in the book. But um, I, I read those, and for me, like, I, I, I messaged you guys. I'm like, guys, I've, I've read this before. Like some of these jokes, I've like, I, I've, I've literally heard these jokes before. And I I remember that it was during this run, so I sort of saw the book as oh, what did I say? Like like it was an abridged version of mm-hmm. those, um, of those first issues. Yeah. So I stopped, and I'm like, I stopped reading it, and I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish up the the Stanley arc. Yeah. And then go back into Blue because it condenses the uh like everything that's happening, and it makes the story feel much more cohesive because there's not all these other subplots that are like all all over the place yeah it's just the focus of like his relationship with right Gwen. yeah and and i really enjoyed that and mary jane has some sass and i really like it it's funny <laughs> so i want to ask a question here i just want to know <laughs> put five thousand room they might knock the room down anyway marco uh what didn't you appreciate about all-star superman i didn't get it i got that it wasn't about him necessarily using his powers. It was about him and the essence that is supposed to be Superman, right? But I was like, uh, it didn't tickle my fancy. It was, it was, it was alright. That was about it. I know Phil. Phil hates me now, but no, I'm more. I'm just more curious to like. I think. I think if you don't like Superman in general, something like All Star Superman isn't going to change that for you because you think so? I think I think All Star Superman is a kind of book. That is like a it's a pure Superman story and it's everything that is Superman and yeah. if you don't like Superman that's not gonna work for you. Mm. It's a love letter to the character. Yeah. So you have to get the character. Yeah. Mm. Alright, that's fair. Uh I'm not really gonna challenge you on your taste or opinion, because it's ultimately subjective. Now I have to read it, I'm the only one who hasn't read it now. I mean I, I appreciated like the the it was it had its little goofy moments and I, I appreciate it because it felt like it was it was pretty offbeat. And I was like, oh, this, you know, these are cool. Like when the Supermans from the future come over and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, That's great. Yeah, or like even when uh, Lex is in prison and he and Clark's bumbling around, like like tripping and doing all this stuff. And I, I never realized that the there was such a difference in the character. Like mm-hmm. I, I was, I was assumed it was just a Superman with glasses, mm. and it wasn't. It was totally different. You can see it artistically. Yeah, uh, I th- yeah, I think that's how Clark the Clark Superman dichotomy should be done. Yeah, it has been done in yeah. several different ways. Obviously, sometimes it is literally just Superman in a suit with glasses, but yeah. it, it's in that in that context, it's more like a Christopher Reeve thing. Yeah, and I, I really like that. Like, there was even one comment where Lex is like, "Oh, Clark, you know you're you're a big guy, but you don't have like the muscle, the mass, and if you think about it." He doesn't need it because he uh, on this planet he's already sort of he's not already sort of but he's already super powered and you can see it in the art he doesn't have the bulging muscles you know he they're rounded they they're just they're large because he's a large person that's about it but 
like Lex is he's ripped in that mm-hmm. so it was just cool to see it as a well that's like that's the point you know it's like um Luthor's van- it, it kind of gets abstract but Luthor's vanity and his inferiority complex to Superman is so pervasive throughout the entire story like one of the subtexts of it is that Luthor isn't naturally bald. He went bald from one of his schemes of trying to overthrow Superman, and he draws on his eyebrows. Mm. Um, <laughs> and so was, everything about Luthor is he represents every like the worst that humanity can be because it's just it's 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 massive insecurity. And Superman represents the best that we can be because he represents our, us at his at our most calm and serene the very cover of the first issue is him sitting comfortably on a cloud and that's something that we could all do like not literally but you know emotionally be at a point like that um there's a great line that you made me think of where luthor talks to superman or clark kent rather and says you're a big strapping guy uh but because of someone like superman lois will always look past you because yeah. that is the epitome of the best that humanity offers but that's ultimately derivative of his insecurity as a person that's great because they play off the ultimate dichotomy of a yin-yang complex of comic books, which is Superman Lex Luthor. Sorry, it was an opportunity to go on a soapbox about my favorite book. <laughs> <laughs> Marco served it up, you knocked it down. Yeah. Sometimes I miss my keys, but not there. <laughs> Here's the question, though. Were you talking long enough to make it to the train station? I was thinking that, too. <laughs> Let us know in the comments below, Rebecca. <laughs> Uh, as for me, I, I read quite a bit this week, uh, trying to get caught up still on a bunch of books. I read Wonder Woman, that I'm, I'm really loving, uh, Wonder Woman by Greg Rucka, and then he's he's actually got two different artists. I was going to ask which uh, which one is it, because are, there are two books. Yeah, well, well, it's it's the one book. But each issue is a different story. So, okay. So, like the first issue that comes out in a month will be the story about the lies, which is her sort of discovering what the actual mythos of uh, Themyscira is. And then there's a, a whole other story about like typically it's like flashbacks and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so it's just been a really great book. Greg Rucka is the perfect writer, I think, for this kind of story, just because. He looked like even with uh, Batwoman and the I don't know if you guys are familiar with that run, but where he did like the crime bible. He he, he really handles um, female characters well, but also myth and deep lore and different things like that. So um, I'm just a really big fan of that run. And then also Tom King's Batman has been excellent as well. Um, Kale, what is happening right now, man? <laughs> <laughs> you're really I was warm and I wanted to take my hoodie out. You started like stop. rustling and I was going to be like, Marco's not going to be able to edit that out. Like, So I was like, just wait a second until Sean takes a breath. Like, <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on Tom King's Batman? My thoughts on Tom King's Batman are that it's a good book, uh, not necessarily a very creative book. He's not, I wouldn't say he's uh, doing anything revolutionary. He's going slightly off the beaten path. Um, in terms of, I mean, the, the, the current run right now is called I Am Suicide, and it's mm-hmm. him putting together his own version of the Suicide Squad to take on Bane. Hmm. And so that's been, it's been cool. It's different. I mean, some of his choices are just out of this world, like uh, uh, Scarface's original handler. Uh, I can't remember his name, but the original person who had the Scarface puppet on. Yeah, the original Ventriloquist. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah there you go, the original Ventriloquist. Um, 
Catwoman, uh, and then and then a bunch of obscure characters. Bronze Tiger, I believe his name is. That's a, sure. that's a yeah. deep cut. Yeah, deep, that's a, deep cut. Exactly. Um, and so it's a really eclectic team. Uh, but the fact that he's taking on Bane and that Bane is being featured prominently as Bane stripped, right? No Venom, no Luchador mask, none of that. Mm-hmm. Just Bane. And uh, getting back to the sort of intelligence of the character, him being this tactical genius, yeah. as opposed to just, you know, a roided out monster. Yeah, right. Uh, so I enjoy that. That's cool. But but again, it's not you're, it's not Morrison's run in terms of the level of creativity. Right, yeah. Um, or the high fantasy. So, But, it, but it's, it's good. You know, like, for Snyder, I thought it was kind of derivative of Morrison's run. And my impression of the Tom King run is that at least it's its own beast. See, that's weird because to me the Scott Snyder run was very toned down. In comparison yeah. to, to Morrison, coming off of Morrison, I mean, his his I mean his run was literally saying everything that's ever happened yeah. to Batman is real, and I don't feel that that works in the same world as what Scott Snyder did with his Batman. Well, in terms of sorry, just one second. In sure, terms sorry. of the shock value that he tried to go for, like with having uh, Owl Man be revealed as Batman's uh, you brother, know, spoilers, yeah. but his brother or whatever. What? That, <laughs> <laughs> It, it was very much that in a, in a shocking sense and in the Court of Owls and that issue where you have to turn the actual mm-hmm, book mm-hmm. To, to read the story. Like, definitely had all that, but the, but the more crazy sci-fi elements, I feel like mm-hmm. that is where the line is drawn between Morrison and Snyder mm. on Batman. Uh, yeah, I feel like, like creatively, Snyder and Capullo did a lot for Batman. Uh, like the the issue you were speaking about, uh, uh, Jim Gordon as Batman. Yeah, I think creatively those are interesting things to do with Batman, but also with the the situation with the New Fifty Two, like Snyder had to start over. So I don't think you know there was a lot that they could do from Morrison's run. You know. Well, no, it's not that so much. I mean, this could be we could put a pin on this because this could be a full topic. I think is talking about Morrison Snyder's Batman runs. Sure. But um, yeah, actually, I feel like I have like a whole topic in my head brewing now about like the idea of like the mantle of Batman and stuff like that too. Yeah. That from something that someone just said. So, so I'll, I'll try to keep it kind of concise. And yeah. Stuff. We can we can extrapolate on it later, but just because uh, Scott Snyder launched his character in the, in the beginning of New Fifty Two. Um, the continuity of Batman was still kind of preserved for the most part because of Morrison. They didn't really want to upset him. And plus, it's Batman. A lot of people... He's like the most high-profile character in comics. But I thought, as far as beats go, um, it felt very similar to Morrison's run. Um, And we can get into that at another time. But uh, it felt like... I didn't feel particularly creative. I thought it was uninspired... I think when we talk about Snyder's run, the thing that everyone talks about the most is Quarter Vowels because I think that was the most unique thing that he contributed to the series. It was at the very beginning. So it was the first two story volumes of the series. Yeah, I guess that's fair to say. I would agree with that. Yeah. The only thing I would throw out there is what Kale said about having... Uh, Jim Gordon become Batman as being pretty unique. Yeah, that's cool was, too. What's uh, the question? Was that actually Snyder's idea or was that editorial? Because that was at the time of DCU when they were like really trying to mix things up uh, with the characters. I mean, I'm sure it was, ins- you know, it was inspired from that mandate. 
but like you know that like, mean, the yeah, work was still good. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. He um, was also. I mean, yeah. I feel like I feel like it'd be the kind of thing that editor- editorial is like. Hey, we need to do something different with Batman. Do something. When we make this a bigger topic, we can look into that. Yeah. yeah. Correct so. me if I'm wrong too, though. But wasn't um, Death in the Family was the or Death of the Family, right? Yeah, that was that, was that that team as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah and yeah, like yeah, that yeah. run was pretty that was like cool. well celebrated when it was out, and I think is one that is like fairly interesting. It was the first like major Joker story in several years. Oh no, nah. well I guess so technically. Yeah, it was. It was. For sure. I'm, I'm just thinking like oh well, there's R.I.P. But that was like 2008. Right. Back then, I he was, it was he was ancillary in that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like yeah. and even that. Like that is the most notable example for a while, but even that's a while. Like that's you know what seven years before Death of the Family, yeah. and even that he wasn't the main villain. Yeah. You know, it's like I can't even think of what the most recent one is, but it's early two thousands. Yeah. You know, like for sure. Yeah. Um. So this, yeah. I think like the whole like Joker like losing his face too is like that's a very iconic kind of image yeah. now, at yeah, least yeah, to yeah. me. Yeah, like yeah. as someone who's like. A casual Batman fan, like I, I thought that was a great arc. Yeah, it was cool. We'll uh, we'll put a pin this. This is something we could really. Yeah, well, yeah, actually, I re- didn't realize how little we've talked about Batman and how much I actually have to say. <laughs> so I think we'll save this for another episode. Yeah. Um. Real quick though, speaking of Batman, before we uh, move on, it's just before we move on to the next segment. Um. I don't think I've ever talked about it on the show, and uh, as like the resident like video game expert, I guess. Um. Telltale's Batman series right now, really cool. Um, I haven't played yet. It's like the first episode's really slow. The the last one's just about to come out. Um, and like I think actually the week of this episode, it might be out now. I mean, you guys can play it like on an iPad even. So like if you haven't played it, you should definitely go play it. I think you guys would like it. And what I like about it most is um, it's like a totally unique Batman story. You know, like it uses a lot of like the familiar like rogues gallery and stuff like that, but it retools them in ways that are it's like a very like ultimate batman kind of thing you know and it's like it rewrites a lot of things about like his personal history in ways that are fresh and like you don't think that they'll commit to them and then they do it's really cool really cool very fresh take on batman which is something we don't get a lot of yeah Uh, i think i'm i'm waiting for them to collect it and put it out as yeah i think they do disc releases after. yeah yeah when it's done if it's popular like they didn't do that with game of thrones but like they did that with like minecraft and i gotta imagine they'll do it with batman right i I would think so i mean i'm it's doing pretty well too yeah so um but yeah yeah you boys should definitely check it out yeah maybe we could do a video about it or something yeah have you been reading anything else sean oh i read uh infamous iron man oh with uh Tony, uh, Doctor Doom as Iron Man. Yeah. Um, Again, still. <laughs> well, this is this is the first issue. Well, the one I read was the first issue of him, kind of taking on the mantle. Oh. Um, it was very. I mean, it's Bendis, and yeah. it felt like Bendis in every way, shape, and form. Um, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. You know, that I basically felt the same way I feel about everything Bendis puts out right now. That's not Spider Man, which is just that it was all right. I read, I read a lot of stuff, just too much to even talk about. Uh, I'm tired of talking about comics. Can I, let's shut this down. <laughs> Can I make an observation about that Iron Man thing that's going on right now? Sure. I think it's really interesting it's how... Uh, let me get there. Oh. Uh, I'm take a, take on a walk. So I think I think it's really interesting how Bendis is writing one of these two Iron Man books. He created Riri too, right? Yeah. yeah. So both of them, it's like exactly what happened with Spider-Man a couple years ago, where it's like, okay, there's two Spider-Men, neither of them are Peter Parker. Right now, there's two Iron Men. Neither of them are Tony Stark. Yep. And they're both Bendis things. He oh, does. Yeah. He, he, yeah. He repeats himself a lot. Yep. A lot. Yeah. And I mean, he's, <laughs> he's successful, but it's, you know. 
you can you can kind of tell where he's going to take these things. Yeah. Mm. It's a little um, disappointing. Also, like, not, not to, like, harp in on this too much either, though, but it's like, all right, we got to we gotta shake this up, right? I want to, like, we're going we're gonna to make a fresh Spider-Man. We're going to make Spider-Man young. He's going to be a teenager. He's going to be mixed race. Then it's like, all right, we're going to do, like, kind of the same thing with Iron Man. It's like, let's get, like, a young minority Iron Man, and then we'll make it Doctor Doom. And it's like, and do- it's like literally just like, we'll take one villain and then one random minority teenager. <laughs> Did... Was Bendis involved in the superior? No, that's a misnomer. That was all Dan Slott, who's okay. a garbage person. But um, Bendis <laughs> took advantage of that. Yeah, well, Bendis okay. did. Um, I see what you're saying. Ultimate. Yeah, yeah, yes. Miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just now it's like we're retreading that same ground with Iron Man. It's yeah, it's just kind of interesting. Yeah, he just took us for a walk. <laughs> So uh, that's what we've been reading. Uh, definitely let us know what you've been reading. You can do that on Twitter or Instagram at the Comics Pals, or you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. That's thecomicspals at gmail.com. You're welcome, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, let us know in the comments. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, uh, I actually have a question. So I guess that means it's time for the random question of the week. <laughs> That's cool to see live. That peaked. That definitely peaked. <laughs> That's gonna be fun to deal with. <laughs> I think Phil just needed to go to the bathroom. Yeah, that's my only question. Um, so last week I brought this up, but if for all us pals here, if we were a comic book character, what character would you be? Question: Do we have to pick for other people? Can we do it that way? Hmm. I think I, it should be for ourselves. Yeah, for ourselves. Yeah. But okay. if someone has something noteworthy for yeah. someone else, go for it. By all means. Uh, does anyone have one immediately prepared? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. Marco, yeah. raise his hand very prominently. Yeah, so let's Marco. Uh, actually, I'm Aquaman. Oh, that is huh. weird. Why? <laughs> Interesting. Because I have a fish fetish. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> <laughs> if there was ever a soundbite for this, that was it. Because I have a fish fetish. <laughs> Marco, can you explain that? Your mom's going to be mad. Kale's <laughs> mom's going to have so many questions. Um, I connect with the character because he's uh, somebody of like two worlds. Like he's, mm, yeah. he's in... Interesting. He's, um, he's from Atlantis, but he's also from... Like the land, and I I would make connections every once in a while. It's like all right, I'm like, I'm here, but when I but when I'm here, I'm Hispanic. But if I go like to like to Puerto Rico or to Ecuador, I'm I'm not Spanish. I'm American. So it's like it's never having that home, and so it just it, it connect connects with me a little. That's it. Okay, that's awesome, man. Mm. Well said. Uh, Pete, you had one ready. Yeah. Um. I. It's kind of like a two part answer. Like I I think I. The easy answer for me is Peter Parker. You know, it's like definitely like I've always had a kind of kindred connection with Spider-Man. Um, and in a lot of ways, I've like tried to like model my behavior in like doing what's right for what's right sake. You know, like that's like kind of my personal ideology. Um, but I think I'm actually probably a little bit more in line with um, with Robert Kirkman's Invincible, who I think I like a lot because he's a very Peter Parker style character. But because it's an, an image book, like he's far more flawed in ways that feel realistic to me Mm. in terms of like his shortcomings are that like, you know, he has a problem with his temper, you know, and like he can be rash um, and like, or like, you know, vengeful and like things like that. And I think 
as much as I strive to be like Spider-Man, I'm not quite that pillar of, uh, you know, humanity or whatever. Um, like Peter Parker is a flawed character, but not in the same way that, um, that Mark is and that I feel like I am. Well, according to Kale, uh, as of last night, I'm a Black Panther. <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> I was, uh, <laughs> that was good. I, uh, I also was going to reuse that joke. <laughs> One step ahead of you. Uh, oh, no, God. I think... I think <laughs> you're Jean Grey, right? No, I, no uh, but I am her quote-unquote better half Cyclops I think that's probably a character I I relate to most Uh, he is often put in leadership positions whether he wants it or not though he tends to gravitate towards it Um, and I think that he thrives in those situations but they're also the greatest challenge in his life Uh, especially having to deal with uh, situations for his family the X-Men that you wouldn't that you wouldn't wish on anyone having to make the kinds of choices he does, etc. Um, all right, so the mine's also kind of a two prong thing, like Pete's. So the character I personally I relate to is like two different characters. I relate to uh, Ted Cord's Blue Beetle and his goofiness. Oh boy, yeah, we've got a lot in common then. <laughs> Are you going to be a Rooster Bolt? Yep. Great. <laughs> <Wow. laughs> And then on the other side of that is Daredevil and his kind of angsty, Catholic guilt-ridden side. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a, like a two-pronged thing there. But also, uh, Superman is the kind of character I see myself striving to be like because it's similar to the Peter Parker thing where it's like doing right for the sake of doing right and um, trying to be a, a to be a better person all the time. So. In that way, it's like kind of a triangle going on there. Person I want to be, person I am in one aspect, and a person I am in another aspect. So okay. that's I what I'm at. Kill. Yeah, so like I said last week, I think I, I it's my greatest fear, and I think it's probably true, um, and I think it's probably time I embraced it. Uh, I think mine would be Booster Gold. Blue and Gold! Um, <laughs> I, uh, it's, it's sort of like, for me, it's... You know, Booster Gold's origin is he, he's just this, you know, he's a janitor in a, in a museum of, you know, of, of like superheroes from like the future, right? Mm-hmm. So he steals the technology to come back and to try to be like one of the, one of the greats. And like, for me, like trying, like creatively and like trying to be a writer, like that's how I feel a hundred percent. Like I, I feel like I'm trying to like ape the the old people and like i'm trying to do my own thing and i'm trying to make it you know but um probably not doing so well (laughs) but like that's also the charm of booster gold right you ever have a thought of going back in time and stealing other people's work before they can do it constantly because i've had that idea like i'll go back and write the beatles songs before they can do it (laughs) i feel like i do a crappy job at it like if it's not coming from you organically you're gonna try to replicate a piece of art you can't you definitely can't you can with pop music, I think. <laughs> uh, That's a conversation for the post show. My, uh, I, I would say my 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 second prong sort of ideal there would be uh, in the vein of Spider Man and Superman would probably be uh, Green Lantern, mm. uh, Hal Jordan, just to just to act, you know, not necessarily impulsively, but to act honestly and without fear or over, to overcome fear. I could see you being a Green Lantern. Yeah. So. That's cool. I could see him being a Red Lantern. <laughs> I've always related to the Blue Lanterns. You would. That's a real talk. Yeah. It's all about hope. But yeah, 
quick. Rebellions are built on hope. <laughs> <laughs> you guys haven't seen that movie yet. We are not talking about Star Wars. <laughs> I hate it. I want to talk about it. It's so good. Quick Too thought. damn bad. Quick <laughs> now, does anyone project a character on anyone else? Does there anything that immediately springs to mind? We, I already said mine. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. Sean's the Black Panther. <laughs> if you guys don't project Spider-Man onto me, then I don't know if I'm doing a good enough job. <laughs> I actually, I mean, I, I, I really think, like, I, I have, I've never necessarily seen Spider-Man for you, but for all the reasons you listed Invincible, and after reading Invincible, I could definitely see that. Like, yes! I'll that's, take it. Yeah, that's legit. <laughs> I project Wolverine from, like, Wolverine and the X-Men on Kale. Oh, oh, oh like God, yeah. yeah. Curmudgeonly dad. Yeah. <laughs> somebody told me once, uh, Beast. Oh. In like a certain... Uh, Kelsey Grammer's like a, Beast. In like a certain context. <laughs> Specifically yeah. Kelsey Grammer's yeah. Beast. Uh, I can see you being blue and furry and reading books upside down. Well, yeah, and like that's that's part of it. Well, like, yeah. <laughs> 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 Uh, yeah, this person said like uh, within within this group context that we were in, uh, I sort of like stand out in a way that I'm like doing my own thing that is related to the cause, but also I'm also kind of doing my own thing because like it makes sense. Like, what do you what do you mean? Why am I doing it this way? This is how it should be done. Like, why are you why are you questioning this? You know, like Beast mm -hmm. uh, specifically in like if you think about like the way he brought back the young. Uh, original team yeah. to yeah so yeah someone told me beast once i know that doesn't answer the question but i take it yeah i see i see phil as spider-man that's why is that because you make those little quick quips <laughs> and quick quips you are and, quippy <laughs> and you have a good heart oh no one knows what Mark and I did last night. <laughs> uh, I don't even want to think about it, guys. Actually, I do. I honestly... Lots of lemon. If I... <laughs> Ew. Quips. If I'm going to project any character, I think, like, Phil's Deadpool. Oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah. Oh, you're yeah. like, sorry, you're a fucking cartoon character, man. Yeah. And you, you break the fourth wall all the time. <laughs> but he doesn't murder people. Um, he killed Steve Jobs and black Steve Jobs. That's what we learned. That's an insider. Listeners don't need to know that, first of all. <laughs> That's incriminating. He allegedly killed Steve Jobs. How dare you According air his dirty him. laundry. <laughs> oh, Marco. No one's projecting anyone on Marco. Jimmy Olsen. Oh, hey. Oh, I can take it. Yeah, bad. right? Sure, that's, yeah. That came to me like that. Yeah. Like, it's not bad. It's pretty good. I know who he is now. <laughs> I read all sorts of Superman. I know who that is now. I know who everybody is now. <laughs> it's not bad at all. Yeah. It's pretty good. So let's move into the news. Uh, not a not a massive news week. I no. Say right we have some like meaty topics though. Yeah. Like not a lot of items, but Big each of them. Meaty. Claw. <laughs> <laughs> I had to step on toes for that one. <laughs> and you know what? It wasn't worth it. <laughs> I appreciated it. <laughs> Anytime you can sneak in a SpongeBob reference, I'm down. So it was announced this week that Method Man is going to write a Christmas 
holiday special issue of Ghost Rider. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. Merry Christmas to me! <laughs> yeah. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Method Man, uh, one of his aliases as a rapper was Johnny Blaze. Yep. So it's pretty appropriate that he's uh, going to be writing an issue of Ghost Rider. I wish that he was getting credited on the book as Johnny Blaze. <laughs> like, that would be great. How, yeah, how will he get credited? Yeah, Do you think it'll be Method Man? Man. <laughs> like on the cover? What? <laughs> Method Man, Johnny Blaze, or his real name, Clifford Smith. It might just be off. Smith. It might be Smith. That would be weird, though. No, he has to. He'd probably ma- maintain that brand. Me- it should then. It should be method. It should be method. method yeah. 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 Huh. Or just method man, one word. Or meth. Yeah. Meth man. Yeah, meth man. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Johnny Blaze, alright. Yeah. Man, that's gonna be cool, though. I'm into it. Yeah. Yeah. In that same vein, of, well, not necessarily in that same vein, but like similar to the R.L. Stein uh, yeah. man thing. We've, yeah, we brought this up like a couple yeah. weeks in a row now where like it's uh, Marvel specifically seems to be like bringing in blood outside of comics to right. try and write comics and that's yeah. I think a fun idea. Yeah. 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 CM Punk Drax. That's exactly what I was yeah. going to say. Yeah. CM Punk's Drax. I mean they, they had fucking and this wasn't good but they had Brian Posehn write Deadpool a couple years ago. Yeah. Like you know they've done a lot of kind of or like, like what was it this earlier this year Black Panther was written by oh, um, Tahiti Coates. Yeah. Yeah. Coats, yeah, and he's an he's, author. He's the main series writer on that book. I was gonna yeah. say, yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. It's like there's a couple people like that now who've been kind of brought in outside of comics mm-hmm. to yeah. get a stab at an ongoing book. Do you think it's in part that they want to bring their that following to comics as well? Yes. Well, I think that's part of it for I'm sure. sure. There's some aspect. I would that. say that especially with bringing on Method Man, it's lockstep in with the initiative they've been doing with the hip-hop variant covers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so I think that there's definitely some overlap there trying to reach out to the hip-hop community, which has a lot of uh, similarities in, to comics because hip-hop is very much personality-based, and yeah. a lot of rappers have gravitated towards uh, uh, comic book characters as sort of personas of this. So for example, yeah, 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 yeah. Doom, uh, Method Man, Johnny Blaze, uh, Ghostface Killer, Iron Man. Also, like, so, not to get too in the weeds, like, talking about hip-hop and, like, African-American culture, like, especially because I'm white, but um, I feel like the, like, popularization of like nerd culture like in recent years like as a mass thing has been a thing but like hip-hop has always kind of had a weird connection with things that are perceived as nerdy otherwise but like because hip-hop is so like hyper masculine and tough like there isn't that like um i think that like nerd perception of like the wu-tang clan yeah you know like all these imageries to like old fucking kung fu movies which is like a thing that is like a part of the hip-hop community and nerd community and nothing else. Yeah. You know, and, like, even shit like Star Wars or, like, again, comic books, video games, like, those things have all kind of been a part of, like, the roots of hip-hop culture in a lot of, like, weird ways that it's, like, it's just kind of a natural marriage, you know? Well, if you look at, if you, like, you brought up the Wu-Tang Clan in, in the 90s at the peak of gangster rap, you had yeah. artists calling themselves, you know, Tony Stark, right? Like... That there was, there's always been that connection. Eminem yeah. was a huge fan of comic books and actually appeared in a comic book alongside Daredevil. So there's very, it's or true. not Daredevil, Punisher. Um, there is that connection, and this is just an extension of that. So I think it's cool. Mm-hmm. The, does Method Man have experience as a you know writer of literature? I don't know, no. but uh, this is something that's definitely on my radar. So. I don't think like CM Punk did either. You know? Yeah, that's like I think Colin Bunn was helping him on Drax. Yeah, that, yeah, I'm sure they have like that might be a editorial thing. assistance yeah. for sure. Yeah, I mean, what's that? We're like, who knows? Maybe animal not. Guy? The so young I'm, animal guy, also. 
Oh, yeah. Gerard Way. Yeah. Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance. But he actually, by the time he got Young Animals, because he had won uh, an Eisner for... Um, um, the Umbrella Academy. The Umbrella Academy. Yeah, the Umbrella Academy, right? Yeah, which is really good. Scott Arkman. So Spider-Man Deadpool yeah. recently. Yep. Marvel's been bringing in a lot of these folks. Yeah, yeah, Gerard Way, he's always been looking to dip in... Tip his nylons in the comics. Yeah, he's been a comics guy his whole life. <laughs> yeah, if it, if it weren't for my typical romance, he said he would have been a, a graphic novelist. Before that? Yeah. Moving on. Uh, Gotham City Sirens. A movie has been announced called Gotham City Sirens. It's going to star at least uh, Harley Quinn in her sort of Margot, breakout film. Margot so, Robbie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Catwoman will be a part of it and Poison Ivy. And the rumor is that Megan Fox is gonna play Poison Ivy. Or that she's being considered for the role, at least. So yeah, it seems like she's kind of you know circling her wagons for that. I'm sure there are other people in consideration, but you know. What do we think about that? Oh my God, I have so much to say. Yeah, no thanks. Um, Yeah, like across the board, I'm not interested. Like, uh, I'm not so bucks, dude. Oh yeah, I'm ready, dude. Um, So. I think Margot Robbie was fine as Harley Quinn, but I'm not excited by the prospect of a Harley Quinn like focused movie or a movie that's supposed to be carried by her. Not a fan or not glad that David Ayer is returning. Nothing against David Ayer as a director, but I mean like I didn't think his vision for Suicide Squad seemed to mesh particularly well with like what DC wanted out of the movie and we got a film that very much felt like it was made by committee mm-hmm. and his aesthetic didn't really match with the movie that they tried to present. Um, so him returning isn't a good thing for me. Um, not to mention that it's a story that's like focused around three female characters, and we're constantly like talking about how like there aren't enough jobs for female directors, and like there's never been a superhero movie directed by a woman. And it's like so we're gonna get the first one that's led by three women, let alone one woman, and we can't even get that like with a, a like a female creative team behind it. it seems like a, a missed opportunity. Uh, just for clarification, Wonder Woman has a, a female director. That's true. Yeah. Um, so does Captain Marvel. But Wonder Woman that'll be coming out later, though. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, later than not later than Gotham's. Oh yeah, you might be right. Yeah. Did they say when this is going to come out? But it, no, it doesn't have a release date. But okay. Captain Marvel does. That's true. Right, right okay. now, right, right now, the only like for real solid one is is Wonder Woman. That's a good point. Yeah. Um. Okay. But either way, missed opportunity in my opinion. Um. And I think the final thing is just that like. I'm really sick of Hollywood trying to make Megan Fox a leading lady. She's not a good actress. Like, I get it. Like, fucking bros want to, like, bang her or whatever. But, like, I don't want her to play Poison Ivy. Like, the only, like, major acting credit she has in her belt are terrible Michael Bay movies where she, like, is literally a sex object. And, like, I don't want to see this movie turn into a... Just, let's put these three women in, like... Revealing clothes and make them make out, you know, because it's like Formers is an American icon. No, I want better. <laughs> <laughs> I just, ah, uh, I nothing about this movie leads me to believe that it's going to appeal to anyone but like 13 year old boys. I want it better. But I mean, that seems to be, and this <laughs> is, I mean, this is from the, the point of view of a, a Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice hater. Yeah. That seems to be the audience they want. I guess. So. <laughs> I don't agree with that. I think I think they they definitely did try to reach out to us with Batman Superman. I think they failed because they don't understand us. Uh, and, and I think they failed because that movie was very self-indulgent. Now, regarding Gotham City Sirens, 
I think it's a mistake to bring David Ayer back only because of what you said about the opportunity to have a female director. I think what he did with Suicide Squad was fine. I think that his vision isn't something we can judge too much because he didn't ultimately get to bring about his vision. There's no question in my mind that DC uh, stepped in and interjected and made him yeah. do these reshoots and different things like that. Absolutely. So it's, it's really hard to be too critical of him. But my big problem with this is that, like you were saying, Pete, I don't know what message I should get from this right now. And so it's more wait and see. I know the Gotham City Sirens comic books, and I know that uh, they very much play around with the idea of Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy kind of having a, a sexual relationship, but they're also best friends, which is fine. There's no reason why they can't do that on screen, but it can't just be for titillation's sake. It has yeah. to be real. And you know that that's... I mean, personally, based on the way that we've seen how they treat their properties, I think expecting them to, to treat it in a way that is well executed or mature is like, uh, we have no evidence to believe that they would do that. Well, if, the it's, right way. if it's David Ayer, just, just based on what Suicide Squad gave us, uh, my criticism based on what you're saying then is that he probably wouldn't treat it super seriously. Yeah, I don't think and so. Maybe it doesn't need to be treated super seriously. I don't know, but I do know that if they are going the road of, they are two people who are having, you know, physical sexual encounters. That would be the first time that a gay relationship was shown in my, that, in my recollection, in a superhero movie. And I would love to see that treated with some level of respect, right, right. and not just as a joke or something for you know male fans to yeah. be you know excited by. Right. So I guess that's just where I stand. It's kind of a wait and see. Yes. I want to see yeah. who they cast. I want to hear some news about plot, and I want to see a trailer before I really. Uh, judge it too much I just man it's like these movies have left such a sour taste in my mouth and I think the idea of this movie on its face it's so easy to see the bad hot topic aesthetic like 13 year old boy titillating movie that I think that they're gonna make you very well may be correct I mean we talked about this on the last episode which we're just down on DC slate of films and yeah. what they've been doing and, they, and I would agree with you in the sense that this is another movie that feels kind of out of left field there, there is no main track you know all roads should lead to the Justice League and then you kind of branch out from there and experiment with some different things. This is just like, what am I supposed to be focused on? And like, I think even this too, it's like the idea of like, we got Suicide Squad, which established a bunch of characters in this team dynamic and everything that like didn't really work and wasn't really totally like, it felt half-baked, right? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, so then now we're going to pull Harley Quinn out of that dynamic and put her in a new dynamic and introduce two new characters and try to set up their team dynamic. And it's just like, you haven't even given me the first team that worked. Why? Like, why are we ready for another one? Right. You know, it's just like, they're just, I just feel like they're snow plowing their way through the, their greatest hits, trying to fucking hit something that yeah. works, you know? And they're just going to like blow their load on all these things that could be great movies. Part of this is also, it's also rumored that within this uh, relationship between Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, they're going to explore like the, the Joker's abusive side with uh, Harley Quinn. And, you know, we're really going to see him be a bad guy. Um, and I, I haven't seen many or any uh, David Ayer films uh, other than Suicide Squad. I don't know if uh, at least, you know, nothing comes to mind, but I don't have, based on what I saw in Suicide Squad, I don't have confidence that uh, this this 
topic, this heavy abuse topic would be handled very well by him. Yeah, I agree. And I really do think that like, to Sean's point earlier, I think um, the idea of Harley and, and Ivy's relationship has always been kind of vague. Like it's like they obviously have some kind of relationship. They're very close. They have a sexual component to that relationship, but a lot of it, like there are storylines where we've seen like, you know, their relationship is like Ivy is a safe, a safe place for her to go away from the Joker. And like, I feel like that can work really well, but I don't, I don't trust that to be handled maturely uh, by Aaron company. And like, again, I don't even necessarily know if that's like his fault. Like, cause it does seem that like, he got to like decide an aesthetic look for that movie and then had the reins pulled away from him. You know, it's like, who's to say if that's even his fault, but yeah. like, it yeah. doesn't seem like DC is prepared to handle, um, like those kinds of mature themes in a way that is satisfying or, um, or even like not offensive. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. I think, I think it's just one of those things where I really wish they would just focus on driving the ship forward in one direction. And yeah. And and then branching out and doing things like this. The the one question I have is they're they're saying Catwoman is gonna be in this. How old is she gonna be? You know, she can be whatever age, it doesn't matter, but this would be the first in, uh, interpretation of Catwoman that's kind of older then, because Batman's older. Hmm. I mean not necessarily. I sp- oh, she I could suppose. be young. She could be. And like Batman could still have a relationship with her even if she is young. Like that doesn't necessarily preclude that. But it would be interesting to see a world where Batman doesn't meet Catwoman until he's older. Right. But, like, that would be my assumption, honestly, is that they would have her be, you know, mid-20s. Maybe she's in her 30s or whatever, but... um, I don't know, like, how old is Harley Quinn supposed to be? Which even still plays to, like, a a sexualization of, you know, younger women and problems in Hollywood in general. Yep, and in comics. Yeah. Specifically DC Comics, too. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think those are are all valid questions. You know, it's like, how, how does that affect the DCU and you know and like why are these characters even like related you know like right. like how are they going to set that up you know because I, I don't know it's just all this stuff that doesn't feel earned and and the, the key for me is I hate it that every single time I go into a DC film I have to ask myself the same slate of questions yep all these characters relate to Batman Batman's old so how does his how how where, where is their relationship at yeah. How many years have Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy known each other going into this movie? Yeah. Because presumably, if they if they've known Batman for a long time, given that he's had his full career already, then they would have known each other for a long time, and then that would make them about as old as he is, or maybe they haven't known him that long, and then that's a whole other story. Yeah. And that's fine. I don't need to know everything going in, but I just don't necessarily like that I have to do this every single time. It does make for a weird dynamic when you think about the fact that like Batman's had a whole career, but like we're we're going to be meeting these villains for the first time. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it's like so who is he fighting all these years? Just regular street people? Like yeah. well, And again, like is the implication that like I think that like this is actually the second Joker? So does that mean that like, you know, cuz like Harley is obviously like fairly new. But we don't know how long how long this new Joker's been around, but like we see Harley Quinn's like transition into Harley and it's like it doesn't seem based on Suicide Squad that she's been Harley for like years necessarily I didn't get that impression I don't know though because these are all questions that are totally up in the air they did show a sort of like flashback 
quick cut sequence of them together in all these different sure. environments. And that kind of gave me the impression that there'd been this passage of time. Yeah, but like, is it a year? Is it three years? Is it five yeah. years? Yeah. You know, like, I, th that I think is like a valid question that isn't really answered. Cause like, yeah, sure there's a passage of time of they met, but the chemical, all those things, but it's like, could all those events in that flashback could have been one year post her losing her mind. Yeah, I guess that's not a that's not an unreasonable way to think about it. Because it's like, how long could they realistically do that too without her ending up in Arkham Asylum? Because like, I think it was shown that that was her first time being in Arkham Asylum. I don't recall, but I, but that like we didn't see her there multiple times in those flashbacks, so who not right? Like I don't know. Yeah. I think that's my overall point. Is like we would we have to sit here and think about where is this timeline and how do these things match up whereas like you know the closest analog we have in the marvel movies is like we know because we've seen it yeah 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 i agree i, I totally agree uh and i i really wish you know I keep saying this i wish they would just simplify it and give us the answers and i think that all of these questions would be answered if we'd already had a batman movie yeah to some level at least at least better than where we are yeah but that's the thing right it's like they're trying to like they're, they're trying to do, you know, okay. The Marvel Cinematic Universe has done a good job now of creating a world that feels lived in because it is, because we've been watching movies in it for 10 years and like DC's trying to do it backwards where they're like, this is a world that's lived in and we're going to give you bits and pieces of it for you to fill in the gaps, but they're not filling in enough of the gaps. We're just jumping all over the map and getting little kind of disparate pieces and not getting something that's like a satisfying or cohesive whole. Yeah. And like none of these movies like feel like they really go together you know like they are all related but only because i have seen the characters in the same movies not right. because they totally feel similar because the world actually feels like a place that exists and that's frustrating yeah i agree uh, and I think we're probably going to end up having this similar conversation every time we talk about a DC movie until they give us some answers. Or until they put out a good fucking movie. That too. <laughs> I, I would, like, please, I would love, I, I hope Wonder Woman comes yes. out and just proves me wrong. Lego I would love for to nail it. Lego Batman. Ooh, that's Lego, Batman. Lego Batman will be good. Lego Batman. Yeah. Uh, let's I'm convinced it'll be, it'll be funny. Yeah. It's just not. Which is you know, the point. This, yeah. It's not. It no, it doesn't. But have yeah, it, to do it, it sucks that a Lego Batman movie is going to be better than what we have. That's what we have to look forward yeah. to, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of Wonder Woman. Yeah, so uh, the probably the biggest news piece this week is that Wonder Woman was stripped of her UN ambassadorship. And this is a, a kind of complex topic with a lot of moving parts. Uh, so I'm just going to explain the general gist of what's going on, and then Pete, you can kind of fill us in on the rest. Okay. Uh, so... She was appointed the ambassador for women and girls, and UN workers protested that she was th this appointment. Um, she was appointed the ambassador for women and girls um, for UN Sustainable Development Goal number five, which seeks to achieve gender equality and empowerment by 2030. So their kind of thing was this is a this is a, a sort of a publicity stunt. We want to reach out to comic book readers and want to reach out to women and girls by putting Wonder Woman in this position. And UN workers didn't feel that she really represented women, that she was really a, a feminist icon, and they protested it. And there were 44,000 petitions uh, by the time it was announced that her reign as... Oh, you mean signatures on the petition? Yeah, signatures yeah. Okay. on the petition. Before her, it was announced that her reign was ending as of December 16th, I believe it is. Yeah. So... 
Yeah, December 16th is the date. Um, so yeah, I, I've got a little bit of context here. This is from CNN. Um, so uh, the UN spokesman Jeffrey Brez told CNN on Tuesday that it would end on December 16th. Um, so actually, by the time this is live, yeah, her, her tenure has ended. Yeah. Um, so uh, he said the decision was made soon after the launch to end the character's role on that date and that it was not brought forward due to the protest. His quote is, uh, quote, the objective was to reach out to Wonder Woman fans to raise awareness of UN sustainable development goal number five. We did that. We are very happy. Goal five seeks to uh, achieve gender equality and empower women and girls by 2030. Right. You already said that. Uh, so then one more thing I wanted to uh, get to is I think we had some. All right. Yeah. So here's here's the, the details. Um, so the petition was launched in October uh, and it was for Secretary General Ban Ki-moon to reconsider the choice of the comic book character. Uh, and staffers said that the character was, quote, not culturally encompassing or sensitive and was an inappropriate choice at a time, quote, when the headline news in the United States and the world is of the objectification of women and girls. They also protested during the ceremony appointing Wonder Woman as the ambassador. And uh, we've got some tweets here that are um, not so nice by uh, by some journalists. Here's here's the other quote I wanted to get to. This is from the petition. On the petition website, they wrote, quote, Although the original creators may have intended Wonder Woman to represent a strong and independent warrior woman with a feminist mission, me, excuse me, message, the reality is that the character's current iteration is that of a large-breasted white woman of impossible proportions, scantily clad in a shimmery, thigh-bearing bodysuit with an American flag motif and knee-high boots, the epitome of a pinup girl and then like sean said the petition attracted more than forty-four thousand signatures by tuesday uh so there's a lot to unpack there yeah absolutely um, my 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 feelings are that it's really cool that wonder woman was afforded that opportunity i mean i know she's a fictional character but it's cool that she was put in that position uh it, get, it puts a spotlight on comics it puts a spotlight on a comic book character and that's always great for us but i think that the the reaction to her, uh, hits me on two levels. On one level, it, it strikes me uh, the way that Wonder Woman is perceived by other people, by people who are not comic book fans. Yeah. Um, and then on another level, it strikes me how people were so willing, at least the, the people who signed this petition, and, and especially that quote that you read there, um, tore this character down purely based on how she looks. Yes. Uh, so, so it struck me on both of those levels. Does anybody want to tackle that? Um, I, I'd like to take it from like a broad spectrum comment, I guess, that like, I do think that in a lot of ways that cultural perception of her is, um, I think, I think a lot of people that aren't in, in the trenches with comics do have that kind of opinion of her, um, which is unfortunate, I think, but, uh, I, I guess... I don't know. I guess it just speaks to how little people really know about comic book characters unless there are um, movies about them. You know, unless they're like, I, I think like we talked about this yesterday, Phil, off, off mic, which was that I, I think most people's interpretations or their vision of Superman comes from the 70s movies, you know, and like that's not necessarily, um, you know, an accurate representation of the character in all of its existences. Right. So. Um, I do think that the reality of how she's perceived versus how she's portrayed is a little askew. Um, so I can't say I'm necessarily surprised to hear this, um, but I, I do find it a bit disheartening. It's not related to, to what you were um, talking about, Sean, but I think that maybe not having her as the ambassador and rather than... I think that an, an ambassador, at least in this kind of climate that we're in, should be a real person and somebody that... Um, 
that women uh, and young girls can could look up to rather than uh, rather than um, like a pop culture icon. Uh, I, I think somebody who they can really be like, I want to achieve that. Like if they had done that with like with Hillary, you know, like she was she was running for president. That's something that people can definitely draw inspiration from. And then once we have that in our culture as something like, you know, women are equal, which who knows how long that's going to take. Then we can have uh, a fictional character take up this this mantle. Um, I actually like kind of disagree. I, I I find that like I think fictional characters are actually better ambassadors. Uh, yeah. Let me just let me just quickly interject and say that the UN has a tendency to do this. It's it's not. This mean? isn't the first time this has happened. No, they 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 frequently use uh, fictional characters as ambassadors for different initiatives. So Wonder Woman is not an outlier. That's all I wanted to say there. Right. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, I mean, like, personally, I, I definitely think it's, um, you're a lot more likely to connect with, uh, like, obviously, if you have the benefit of knowing a real person who's different from you, that is going to, like, open up your mind, like, that's one thing, but I do think that, like, um, people do, especially superheroes, people do look at them as, like, moral teachers or as, um, you know, especially kids, you know, I think, like, honoring a, a character that is supposed to be a feminist icon to push a feminist agenda that, I think that makes perfect sense. Um, the in the quote they talk about, you know, that her her costume is basically an, an American flag motif, you know, draped across her her body or whatever. Um, maybe not so sexual, but uh, the um, that's the way I wear my American flag. <laughs> um, These colors don't run, baby. There's also like that's that's an implication that you know the like you know this white. American representing woman has it all figured out. Um, and that's, I mean, that obviously isn't a great image for an ambassador either. Yeah, you know, she, you, 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 you're, you're. You want to have a flaw. You want to be like, I, I just, from what I'm reading, is that you want to have a flaw that you can relate to and be like, you can overcome that flaw well, as well. And not even, not even necessarily that. That she's like too she, rooted in Americana in she, some way. Yeah, okay. you want your ambassador to be someone who does actually represent everyone. Um, and you know, if you've got an American flag on your chest, like that, it's sort of, yeah. yeah. It's like a little sad too, because it is one of those things where like, sure the iconography says that, but I think like, if you actually think about like Wonder Woman as a character, um, that I think definitely kind of connects her to like almost, uh, like Superman's classic, like immigrant story where yeah, like she's that, a Greek immigrant. Yeah. Like, there's no, it's like, like, I think that's, that's a great message of multiculturalism. It, yeah. Oh. It is an American ideal, but it's not. An ambassador's ideal. Yeah, like she's not an American character. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack here, but I mean, in terms of the character's roots, she wears American colors because from Themyscira, she's an ambassador to the United States, so it's like a sign of good faith. But to talk about... That doesn't make sense either. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, don't think I, do. I, mean, I mean, yeah, forties, you know, forties comic book, sure, but like, yeah, yeah that doesn't, that's. Um, so the other thing is this idea of using real world figures versus pop culture icons. And the thing about real world figures is that so many of them are, especially politicians, are incredibly flawed. And there's so many character deficiencies that, if anything, they're not good people. And they're not people that children should aspire to be, whether it's Angela Merkel or Hillary Clinton or uh, these neoliberal uh Snake oil salesman. Seriously, the Politipals. These spinoff. These uh, now. Whereas with a fictional character like Wonder Woman, she 
like many other DC characters, represent, represent abstract ideas in a pantheon. Now, what's curious with Wonder Woman is how, her cult, how the culture reflects her. In her origin, she is a bondage, you know, promoting uh, menage a trois feminist, and that's very radical 1940s America. But by the 50s, you know, instead of saving Steve Trevor like she did originally, she is chasing Steve Trevor and trying to receive his affection. Right. Um, but, you know, by 1972, uh, Gloria Steinem, very not- noteworthy feminist, had put her on the cover of a magazine um, because in the iconography of the character, she represents female empowerment. And even though maybe her uh, attire isn't the most um, reflective of, of that, it's, a, it's part of the iconography. The- that makes me think... That maybe by 2016 that's dated because characters need to evolve with the times. Um, so whereas with Superman in the 1950s, it's okay to be this patriotic dad, that doesn't fly anymore, and that reputation still permeates through our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe having him be what he was like in the 30s was relevant now uh, is kind of relevant now. Wonder Woman maybe should reflect modern feminism now instead of something maybe like 40s feminism or 70s feminism. And that's that's something I think that is a legitimate point. I think that's a really big problem with the character. And I, I think like when we had our larger discussion about Wonder Woman, I think on episode two, um, that was kind of one of the points that I raised is like, I think Wonder Woman is a character that uh, really suffers from her roots because I think she has a perception of being kind of hokey and kind of like, uh, a relic, you know, of, of like the Silver Age of superheroes, even though she's not. Um, but of that kind of old school, like gung ho comic book aesthetic. And I, I think like it, there's a really, I think we need that like kind of modern interpretation of the character. And I think, yeah, like a character that is more reflective of modern feminism. Like there's a, there's an audience for that, no question. You know, like. I think they're craving it too. Yeah, I think they're hungry for it. I, I do. Think, I think that's something that should happen and there's plenty of writers who tackle they tackle the character thing that she does be there's constantly this narrative that Wonder Woman needs to be reinvented and reinvigorated uh, and no one seems to make something stick but there's ever perhaps an argument for a character that should represent modern feminism which is something that has been very uh, ramping up and getting more traction in the last five six years Wonder Woman should reflect that yeah absolutely because if any character would represent that it'd be her and I think um, just one more thing before, because I know we're trying to move on from this, but uh, I think um, on some level, I also kind of take issue with the argument that the petition makes that like her, that her attire, right? Like you made the point that it's like you're basing it entirely based on how she looks. And I think um, it's tough for me. This is a thing where like I'm not totally comfortable making this point as a guy, but I'd like to like raise it to our listeners. And if there's any, you know, uh, female pals in the audience who'd like to chime in, I'd love to hear your thoughts. But I feel like that's almost very sexually regressive to say that like she can't be a feminist icon because she like wears revealing clothes. That's a legit argument. Yeah. You know, in feminist communities because, too. Because it's like that, that like then you're saying that like there's something shameful about a woman's body or that like, you know, like again, that it's like promiscuous for a woman to be proud of her body or to like display her body. And like, 
I think that is like a very like patriarchal kind of projection where like you're saying that like a woman's body is scandalous or that it's a sexual object and it can't be shown or whatever. And it's like if Wonder Woman wants to fucking, you know, rock like, you know, thigh high boots or whatever, like that's her business. And like if if women are comfortable dressing that way and women are comfortable doing that, that's that's on them. And like that should be up to every individual woman as a free woman to decide how they want to dress and act. Well, and to add on that, like they have a the you know the the person who read that quote you know has a, has a problem with uh wonder woman's you know attire and her being an ambassador but uh you know the victoria's secret fashion show was just this week and you know it was live on twitter like that's i mean that's you know that's our society's like dichotomy on on women's bodies and i think the objection comes from that it's men that are promoting this like perhaps it's male creators who are writing a majority of one woman stories and illustrating her that way and with like a victoria's secret thing it's a lot of male producers that are objectifying women perhaps that, that that's where that kind of comes from whereas if it's a female committee working on one woman and they're permit you know they're um perpetuating this it's more of an ownership of sexuality perhaps yeah i think that's valid i do think like we just really need like we need a really good revolutionary wonder woman series that's done by like a top tier team of create of women in comics the, the, that's happened already and the, the thing is that yes yeah. and and actually a graphic, that's true <laughs> a graphic novel just came out i'm i'm blanking on the name of the writer Phil, do you know what I'm talking about? Um, well, I mean, Morrison did a great interpretation. Morrison did one, his, but, but also was, a dude. There was another one that, that came out recently? more recently. Yeah. Oh, I, I think the artist was Paquette, right? No, 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 no that's one. the Morrison one. Well, at, at any rate, there, there's there's another one that came out by a female writer right. and artist that was also really good and critically acclaimed. The problem isn't that there aren't Wonder Woman stories that are great. It's, it's that, that stick. no one's reading them. The Finch one? No. 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 Um, no one not only is no one reading them but people are reading them but for whatever reason she's not connecting with the audience that i think needs to latch on to her to phil's point she seems to lack stickiness uh yeah i guess so. and not even her because she obviously has endured but i guess the story's about her well every time a new author tackles the character they do they reinvent them they reinvent her for them for themselves like Mm. things don't there's no continuity and that's part of the problem well, so, and then on the point of, of feminism, uh, it's always bothered me, and this is probably the only time I'll defend Kim Kardashian on this show, but, uh... <laughs> listen, listen to Kim Kardashian, pals. Keep <laughs> up. <laughs> That's another show. Uh, she's been attacked many times for uh, not being feminist, but because she does magazine covers naked, and yeah. she shows her body and things like that, and I don't understand how that's not feminist. I don't understand how any action that a woman could take is not feminist because the whole point is just the propagation of women and allowing them to be equal to men. Yeah. Men can do whatever they ha- the hell they want, obviously, so why yeah. can't women do the same thing? Yeah. And I feel that, and I, I feel uncomfortable, not even uncomfortable, just annoyed by the fact that because Wonder Woman is a, you know, big breasted woman, that that means she cannot be uh, a feminist icon, right? That that's that's really weird. It's really weird that that would need to be that she couldn't represent girls. That girls right. couldn't take to that character. Yeah, I think it comes from a point of marginalization, though. Like they feel like, yeah, I think it's in the book. Mm-hmm. I think it comes from a point of feeling like um, 
that it's men that are doing this and not women. That men are doing what? They're the ones doing the Wonder Woman stories. So it feels more like they're being objectified. Because but that's not true, though. I'm not saying that I disagree with that. I'm just saying I think that's part of where the... That's the perception. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like comics are a boys club. Wonder Woman was created by men. Like, she's a, she's a male fantasy, you know, like... And whether or not those things are true, well, I think well, that is the perception. Those things very well may be true. But what I'm arguing against is that Wonder Woman literally just was written by a woman for a long arc. Right. And there's and there's a Wonder Woman comic book alongside the Greg Rucka one, which unfortunately was just canceled, that was written by a woman as well. Not to mention that when you said that happened, it was also written by Gail Simone. You know? and, and Gail Simone. Who's like, the, like well, Gail Simone's like yeah. the most notable female writer in comics right now. Yeah. Right, exactly. And it's like if she if she wrote a book with with Wonder Woman and that didn't get traction, like... Yeah. There's yeah. something, What's it going to take? Yeah, there's something yeah. going on there. Yeah, so I mean, none of us have the answer, but... I think the answer is that it's going to take a movie. That's what it is. Yeah, I think a it movie's going to help a lot. People need to care about Wonder Woman outside of comics and then go and find those comics that are good. Well, no, no, but here's the dangerous thing with the movie. It's going to set a tone and it's going to set a precedent that everybody else is going to now think about in the books. And if it's not, that's not reflected... Um, the books are going to suffer. That's possible. I mean, the books already suffer. Right, but even more so. It's like, this isn't what I so, saw in the movie. And if people don't connect with the movie, that's even worse. It's like, I, if well, I then can't DC needs to do its fucking job yeah. and write a Wonder, <laughs> Wonder Woman comic that works. The the current Wonder Woman comic works. It's it's good. It's it's well written. Maybe this comes back to a conversation we've also had before, which is like marketing then, which is that like there, there are better ways to market the character because yeah. like... I think you were the one who made the point that like the, tr- the the DC Trinity right now is Batman, Superman, and Harley Quinn. Yeah, and it's like it is. like DC has all the power in making that decision. Yeah. like just because people like Harley Quinn, like you can like people like what you give them. And Let's right. be real. What's, too. What's you know, what's curious with Harley Quinn is that she radiates so much more sexuality than Wonder Woman. Yep, I think it's but I think it's also a different market that's attracted to her versus the market that Wonder Woman would be. You know, kind of reaching it's a, out. To yeah, it's a, a, we've said this before. She suffers from the same thing that like Superman and Captain America oh, suffer yeah. from. It's that it's that you know Boy uh, Scout or Girl Scout kind of imagery. Yeah, sort of pie in the sky ideal human that's boring. That you know, why would you even bother? Yeah. Just that Wonder Woman ha- is a woman, right? So she suffers even more. And it's the same thing where it's like you know Harley Quinn, you know, has the same kind of allure that like Batman has. It's like oh, it's she's manic and sexy and you know like dark. and dark and unhinged and lots of other buzzwords that you can put on a T-shirt and sell. Yeah. Like you know and. I don't know. He's a little monster. Damaged. Like, yeah. I think that's like very, we are, we are part of a very cynical, nihilistic generation. And I think like, I do think that like, um, one of my dearest friends, uh, Andy's one of the guys on my channel, Slack and Slash, like said something to me once when we were drinking and talking about comic books. And he goes, you know, I think like you can see a lot about the moral decay of American society when children want more like more want to be Batman than Superman. Yeah. And I think like that's what we're seeing. Where is that like that idea of being like wholesome and, you know, like that all American, you know, kind of superhero is is has fallen out of vogue since the 90s. I think that's been true for 30 years, though. I think, I think since the 80s. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So what would be a character then that would reflect that that isn't Batman? Who who is like edgy and. Yeah, like like if we're moving away from the ideal culture where we, we're, we're like we're hopeful. We're oh, like. I mean, I would say like you so, know. Wait, I don't understand the question. So like Pete said that we're that um, Andy, your friend said that we that we're moving away because 
culture you said was uh he said decaying because they're trying to be more like batman than superman yeah or that we identify more with batman than superman right so phil said that's been happening for the past 30 years so what needs to change in order for us to try to either return to superman or what character that isn't necessarily um batman does culture reflect I mean, I think, again, like, the analogy I set that up with was, like, I think Harley Quinn and Wonder Woman have that kind of analogous um, example there, where, like, Wonder Woman isn't popular because I think she has that perception, and I think Harley Quinn, there's an alert to her because she does. Well, and uh, I was just listening to uh, the Nerdist Comics panel's uh, year in review, where they were talking about, you know, the various uh, movies that, you know, came out this year. You know, so like Batman versus Superman and Captain America Civil War, uh, Batman and Iron Man are two characters that are that represent like the gritty reality of, uh, you know, the world. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, take my opinions out of, of Batman versus Superman. Superman and Captain America are your characters who are supposed to represent the hope and fighting for that hope. Somehow that was supposed to answer your question, but I lost it somewhere. <laughs> I, I gotta be honest. I think that Batman and Iron Man are reflections of culture. Batman and Iron yep. Man are these very well. I mean, they're both kind of these male power fantasies. They're both stark individualists. No pun intended with the word stark. And uh, they represent two rich white guys who have an excessive amount of money who can do whatever they want without any kind of restraints. And I think that's kind of the that's the ideal goal for a lot of people they can put themselves in that position and say that's what i want to be and i think with tony stark too um i've always found the relationship between tony stark and captain america to be really interesting because they're so they're literally so opposite of one another in every way you know it's like the idea of like uh excess versus frugality of like old versus new of like futurist versus like um idealist or whatever and i think um or like cynicism versus idealism you know and i think I think that's kind of the thing is that I, I, I think our generation overall does relate more to those characters. And I don't think that's a thing you can fix. I think it's just cultural attitudes. And I think, um, you know, on some level to like something that Phil said is like, maybe it's time for some of these older characters to evolve a little bit and to have more nuanced representations of them. But I mean, that's a different conversation. Well, let's hope that uh, DC can find a way to make Wonder Woman great again. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> so, I don't like that at all. <laughs> That's all right, Kale. We've had heat for weeks. Gene <laughs> Gray, round four. Go. <laughs> Moving right along, uh, we've teased and promised a conversation about the the Fox film universe and the Marvel film universe and the kind of rivalry that they've had and how that's affected the movies, but also how Fox's films, depending on your point of view, have not reflected the comic book characters accurately or with respect, while the Marvel films, for their own flaws, have tried their best to be uh, accurate depictions of the comic book counterparts. Just to be clear, uh, the Fox... uh movies are X-Men and Fantastic Four, right? And, and Deadpool. And Deadpool. Oh, and Deadpool. Okay. Oh, okay. And Deadpool. Technically, but... Yeah, it's gonna... Deadpool's yeah. gonna add an interesting... Uh, Deadpool throws a wrench in every single yeah, thing I have yeah, to say yeah. about why the Fox movies suck. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, let me let me ask this question as a, as a starter. Is there anyone here who would not rather see 
the characters that Fox owns under Marvel's. Uh, wait, 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 wait. As, in, as in, yes, okay. I want to see those so, characters. You think, is there anybody that would prefer the X Men movies to stay separate from the MCU? Yeah. Mm, oh, to stay separate? Yeah. yeah. To stay separate. No. Maybe. Maybe just Deadpool because he's he's already on a good track. If, 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 if it's all good. or nothing. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Strong opinion for Marco. <laughs> <laughs> no one's strongly on the pro yes side, so let's assume that. We all think that there's at least a possibility that it would be better if they were under the MCU. Yeah. Better. Well, yeah. Phil, yeah. Phil has a di- an alternative view, so go ahead. Yeah, well, voice it. This oh, is Phil that. versus the room, round two. <laughs> okay, so I think at the, the basically the meat of this kind of thing is that I think that the best Fox movies, which are X Men, X Men Two, um, First Class, Days of Future Past, I think. God are probably better than the best four or five Marvel movies. Oh, Strongly disagree. Right off. Oh, I'm Good God. <laughs> Strongly oh. disagree. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> I'm going to get up and poop in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that is so... <laughs> that's the point of this conversation, is basically that there's... That's the... The point of disagreement is where I'm going. There's, there's such a different energy because we're all in the same room. <laughs> it's one thing to be able to look at the reactions on Skype, but to just see Kale's body move. Just flailing. He's just like, saying that, what? He just couldn't disagree anymore. And I'm pretty sure that if, if we weren't recording a podcast right now and Phil said that, Kale would have gotten right the fuck up and just walked away. He did threaten to poop in a corner. Yeah. <laughs> this would have come to blows. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I, I, I disagree with you, man. Uh, I think I think that I so hardly disagree. I don't even think the worst Marvel movie is like I don't know. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. No. I I don't even I think the the worst of all of the the MCU movies is probably what Iron Man two, Iron Man three, uh, Iron Man three or Avengers two for me. Um, Thor two. Okay. Thor yeah, two. Avengers. Oh God, no! Thor two is actually a steaming pile of shit. Um, okay, so excluding Thor 2 from that running, I don't think there's any X-Men movie that is as good as, as any of the Marvel stuff, really. First Class was good. First Class is good, but it's not great. I, I, but I, I mean, it's not great, but I would agree that it is better than Thor and even, like... Better Iron than Man, Thor. E- even Iron Man 2 or something. Like, cause, <sighs> like in terms of capturing the whole... I, I, I know I talked about this thing when the Longbox guys were here, but... It captures their essence as being little, as being uh, young, young mutants who don't have control of their powers, and it's more about learning how to find it in themselves. Mm-hmm. So, to me, I think it much more in line with the, with the characters and with um, it's a better movie because of that. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're right, Marco. That's fine. But I am. <laughs> oh, right, right. We said it's, it. It's, <laughs> damn. You're still comparing those movies. To the worst of the Marvel movies. No, yeah. I, I, I so, get that. I and get so, that. counter what Phil's saying, it's hard for me to it's hard for me to believe that you could take the pillars of the Marvel films like uh, Avengers one and Cap two and, mm-hmm. in my opinion, Cap three and Guardians. I think and, even like Iron Man one. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And compare that to First Class or Days of Future Past. Those movies. Wait, is that what you're comparing? Yeah, he's saying that he's saying that those are better movies. No, than no uh, well, no, shut up, you're wrong. No, no, no. I, 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 I misheard. <laughs> I have a qualified the argument. Oh, oh, okay. 
no, like, I think when Marvel does a really good movie, then it's, like, I think Cap 2 and, like, Civil War are probably the best. That's, like, top. But, like, if we take four or five of the best from both sides, I think the Fox movies are better on average than the best four right. or five. That's what I'm that's, saying. That's what you said. Yeah. And, and, and then what I'm saying I'm, is that yeah, that's, yeah. that's not possible. I think, yeah, maybe that's Deadpool bull hockey brings up the... The, the average quite a know bit. You know why, though? Because <laughs> Deadpool feels like it belongs in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Be He's wearing his traditional costume. It's very funny and goofy. None of the other X-Men films are like that. They're very dry. Mm. They're, they're, they're lacking in a lot of humor. They, they don't feel... And especially when you talk about those original X-Men films, they feel very dated. X, X1 and 2... I feel like those movies feel very, yeah. very dated. I mean, they turn on the radio in X2 and Bye 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 by NSYNC is playing. And also, the, they she, turn on the radio in X2. <laughs> God, Phil. The I think, radio. I think the thing for me is I think those movies, I, I said it when we brought it up like in the original episode that teased this conversation was like, I think they they feel embarrassed by their social mater source material. I think they feel embarrassed to be about comic books and about superheroes. Uh, and I think I think they feel really kind of soulless and corporate, you know, like I, I, I feel like it, it. It reminds me a lot of the kind of adaptions we saw in the late 90s or mid 90s to the early 2000s of just like taking a property in name only and and trying to water it down to something like that's palatable. Mid 90s wise, what do you mean? Uh, I mean, like you can basically look at like any movie made from like the mid 90s to the early 2000s that isn't made by Ubol that's based on a video game oh, and it, like it has nothing to do with it it's just the name and like we're kind of like you know like Super Mario Brothers is an amazing movie <laughs> let's not even do that one. um but yeah so like I, I think X-Men is like like X-Men is basically like it's the same thing as the Super Mario Brothers movie it's just it's just well executed like and it's it's a fine film I think the, the first two are, are fine films uh, I think they're enjoyable, and I think the best of the Fox canon are are good. You know, like they're they're not bad, but I don't think any of them are are so good that I um that I wouldn't want to see the entire thing scrapped or at least done in the way that you know you would imagine the MCU doing it. So Phil, let me ask you a question. I have not gotten a word out ed edgewise here. Okay, so let me ask you this question. Address the question. Address your points. The question is would you do you trust that fox can continue because you think you think four of their movies are, are really good do you th that's accurate right yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. four or five yeah, yeah, yeah do you do you think that do you trust that they can continue to make movies that will live up to what you're looking for and do you distrust that marvel could do it better with those same characters i honestly that at the beginning of that we kind of asked that that question, and I said maybe because that's the thing. I'm not sure. Mm. I can't definitively say that. Now, this is like the point, I guess, for me, is that you talk about soulless, and I. that's kind of how I feel about the MCU, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can go with that. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my least favorite... I, I, I gotta be honest, I don't like Deadpool. I don't think it's a good movie. <gasps> good God. I, I find that to be really confusing, but okay. I didn't laugh at all. I thought it was all just family guy humor. It was. It just felt like uh, a way book. I mean, you don't you don't like Deadpool, Not though. Really, no. So I mean, like, but, but wait, though, I don't I don't like Deadpool. Yeah, but that I was know. a Deadpool movie. 
Like that doesn't make it a good movie though. It was a but, pervy Deadpool. But it wasn't. Movie. No, it was that was Deadpool. that's Deadpool. That's Deadpool. No. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. Yes. How many? Well, that super. Pause, okay. Pause, pause, bro. Pause. Yeah. It's still, it's yeah. Still, yeah have you ever, still why is it not a Deadpool movie? Well, hold on. He just said that's not Deadpool. Like, have you ever read a Deadpool comic? Yeah. Like, well, why? Dead, why? Well, let him, let him defend himself. Okay. No, I mean, I, I just thought it, it's a pervy version of him because yeah, but like, like Deadpool is like Deadpool is a pervy. Deadpool is a hedonistic pansexual like. Mm-hmm. Fuck like fuck machine, right? But <laughs> right, but it's not like the the humor isn't as for me wasn't as vulgar. Oh, I totally disagree. Yeah, he like most Deadpool books are pretty vulgar, right? But but not to like that extreme because yeah, I mean, they, it was. I thought it was a little tame, honestly. Yeah, I, I was surprised. I actually, my one criticism of Deadpool is I don't think it goes too far enough. It was I mean, rated R. I thought they would do more. I, yeah. I, I've I've read Deadpool. I'm like. Joe Kelly's Deadpool's pretty good. I mm. think there's heart yeah. to it. But, like, Daniel Way's Deadpool, which is what's most famous in pop culture, I think it's garbage. But whether or not the, whether or not, the, movie whether or not the like, comic is good, that is the Deadpool character. Right. And when you talk about getting a character represented on screen, very, very few characters have had as accurate a portrayal as Deadpool. And this is where it comes down to for me. Like, you're right, it is a Deadpool movie. And when you criticize the X-Men franchise for not being... Um, faithful to the source material for being like the X-Men. That's like, that's legitimate. That's true. But that's, I think, where we differ, ultimately, is while Marvel superficially definitely, and in some cases not just superficially, um, makes adaptions that are very visually comparable or in some case um, tonally similar to their source material. Um, Ultimately, I think it's elastic enough that it's okay to be, it doesn't have to be super you know, rigid with the source material. And ultimately, for me, the X-Men movies, at their best, the first two, or the newer two from that reboot, uh, <clears throat> or whatever, are good movies. And that's where it becomes the difference. Because I think... No, but I did say they were good pause. movies. I just, True, I just, I, but pause. I just want to clarify the X-Men movies you're talking about. The uh, first two... First Class and Age of Apocalypse. <laughs> no, or, I've never seen Age of Apocalypse. Days of Future Past. That's so and then the first, first class in yeah. Days of Future and Past and X one and X two. And okay. then I guess Wolverine too, but that's not like I'm not very. That, yeah, that's fine. That's not like a big. Um, a not big, gonna die on that hill. Nah, like I, there's plenty of problems with it. I think it's pretty good though. It's fine though. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Ultimately, that's just a pretty good. It's movie. a solid C. Yeah. Um, and of course, I think ultimately the worst Fox movies are worse than the worst. Marvel movies like sure. when we compare Iron Man 2 or Thor 2 or Avengers 2 or what have you I think those are nowhere near as bad as like X3 yeah. or uh, presumably the latest X-Men movie which I haven't seen or uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine which is a really Ooh. bad movie that movie's so bad people like to like legitimately just like people forget that movie exists yeah, yeah. see here's the thing though the movie Fox we're forgot. giving Fox too much credit because we're only talking about the X-Men Fox also has the Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. And those movies are bad. All of them. I like, personally, I could watch Fantastic Four 1 or 2, and I'll have a, a decent time. They're not great movies by any means at all. They're like I barely, they're like not even good. Like, they're, they're, yeah, they're fine. Good. Yeah. But they're like barely fine. Yeah. Yeah. Their track record outside of X-Men especially is very bad. Ghost Rider 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I forgot Absolutely about those. I didn't Nick Cage is Ghost Rider. Hank yeah. Ghost Rider, yeah. okay. I think there's not anymore. They don't. Isn't there more Fox films too? Am I forgetting something? Yeah, uh, Dare Daredevil. The original Daredevil movie is Fox. Then Electra too. Yep. Terrible. Yep. Absolutely. All bad. And so Um, we're giving them so much credit by not addressing those movies. I think when you when you add those, 
I mean, come on. There's yeah. No, there cannot be a question. They're average tanks. Now, granted, they've improved since... I would say they've improved since Electra. I think it's fair to fair to say that yeah. much. But Age of Apocalypse, I don't know how many of you guys have seen it, but that movie proves to me that they're not out of the woods with making shitty films. <laughs> yeah. Well, and... They're just not. And and I think I've said this before. I, I, think, I think this Old Man Logan movie is going to... It's going to really, like, mark the end of, like... That generation. Of, I hope so. Of I, yeah, for me that's fine because it's good to have a nice punctuation mark on it, and I think that movie it looks promising. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you don't agree. I agree. But th- that's the thing. Um, I'm not going to defend Fox's comic book movie record as a whole. That's bonkers. I think. But when I think they've made at, at their best, they are among the best superhero movies made. And like the thing is. I know for Sean, at least, a big distinction is that they're not faithful adaptation of the X-Men comics. But I don't think that's a problem because they're good movies. And ultimately, with an adaptation, it can be liberal. Because as we've seen in comic books, historically, plenty of amazing comics are very liberal with continuity. Sure. Because it ultimately comes down to artistic direction. I don't feel like the first two X-Men movies or the first two of the newer X-Men movies are dated. And I think the acting in those movies are exemplary, whether it's Hugh Jackman, Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen, uh, Michael Fassbender, or James McAvoy. That, that, that's all exemplary acting. And I think I've gotten more out of Professor Xavier, Magneto, and Wolverine in those movies than I have of any of the MCU characters, save maybe Chris Evans' Captain America. Because ultimately, for the majority of those movies, it feels safe, cookie-cutter, and uninspired. Now, at their best, that's not necessarily true, but as a collective whole, I, that's how I feel. So like, let me phrase it one other way. Um, with the Fox X-Men movies, it's either really good or really bad. And with the Marvel movies, it's either really good or just bland. Okay. Okay. Five minutes. So you, (laughs) so you, you addressed me, uh, by calling out the element of them not being faithful. So for me, I think that I, that's true. That just comes down to preference, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, what what do you want? Do you want a, a, a really good movie? Um, or it's kind of like the Netflix conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think, I don't think it has to be, do you, do you want a really good movie or do you want a comic book movie? I don't think that it has to be that distinction. I think it can be both. Yeah. And I think that you, you don't agree with that, Marco? Okay. So let me finish and then you, oh. you say that. Uh, I think when you look at the X-Men films, they're, they're not trying on any level to be faithful. They don't care. And as a comic book fan, that's like spitting in my face because this is based on the stuff that I grew up with. So if you're going to use it, just you should try. You, you should at least try. You don't need to succeed, but you should try. Um, whereas the Marvel films always try. They make some decisions that don't consider the, the comics because there is a different universe and it's a different time. But those decisions even then still feel like they could have been made in the comics. Like, not having Ant-Man and Wasp be original Avengers. Mm. That strays, but it works. It works very well. But I think that the, the choices that the X-Men, uh, that Fox has made with the X-Men, don't necessarily work. I mean, and there are countless examples of changing mutants' powers for no reason. Or changing, like, Juggernaut. Why did he need to become a 
a completely <laughs> British football player. Yeah. Why? Why did? What was the? What was the merit behind that change? There's no reason to it's include just, a reference to a YouTube video. Boom. Yeah. Boom. It's also an example of the worst X Men. You're you're right, but that is something that Fox themselves signed off on because they had to, right? I, I have an, a a counter argument, but Pete has something he wants. Yeah. To, add. to build off Sean's point, I think I think the big uh, impasse that I come to with your argument, Phil, is that like. I don't think that I don't disagree with the point you're making. I just don't think the X Men movies are a good example of it because I honestly don't think that. I think even the best ones are they're good, but I don't think they're like solidly good. I think they're good because of things like you pointed out, like the acting is so good that like I don't necessarily. I'm willing to forgive that like it's not faithful and that there are things that don't make sense and there are things that don't feel earned that don't pay off or whatever because like. Yeah, the portrayal of Magneto and Professor X has always been so good that those things get easy to ignore. And I think that's fine. Like, yeah. that doesn't... I'm not saying they're bad. I said I like those four movies that you're talking about. I really do. Yeah. Um, but I think the issue for me goes deeper than that, where I think that, like, for something to be an adaption, right? Like, honoring the source material, or I think, like, at least, like, honoring the tone and, like, aesthetic of a piece is important. Like, capturing the spirit of something is kind of the point. And I don't think those movies do that. And I think, um, I think there are moments like the Magneto and Professor X dynamic has always been captured well. And that has always been an enjoyable part of those movies. But I think like there's so many other things about the X-Men that get lost in the cracks. And I think one of the things about the X-Men, and this is the thing we talked about last episode, like I think the visual aesthetic and like language of the X-Men is a really big part of them. Like they're an interesting group of characters because they're so colorful and diverse in, in every sense of the word. And I think like getting this, 90s era embarrassed of comic books everyone wears black there's there's no there's no use of color there's no use of um of pop you know of that sense of like that i guess like old school comic book aesthetic that like marvel does a really good job of like capturing the spirit of i think missing those things is a disservice to the x-men property and whether or not those movies are good it does impact my enjoyment of them on some level and I think that they don't, they haven't aged well because we've seen so many movies do both of like, both the gritty, dark interpretation of a superhero and the more faithful adaption that actually captures like the sense of a comic book, both have been seen done better. At, at the end of one of, I'm not, I don't remember if it's one of the Wolverine films or one of the X-Men films, at, at the end of one of them, uh, Logan has his, he, he has his bone claws again and Professor X comes up to him with his yellow that was the most recent Wolverine helmet movie. um and that i mean that wasn't paid off that hasn't been paid off at all and there have been two different movies with hugh jackman's wolverine in it since then yeah that was strictly a teaser yeah just the one just i think nothing. the apocalypse was the most recent and then old man logan's the new right, one that's yeah. coming out and that's just a jump in time i think so you're Actually, right. Days of Future Past. I think, came yeah, out. I think, yeah, I think Days of yeah, Future Past. Yeah. Oh, maybe. I think, like, speaking to the to the costume too. Like, this is something I brought up on on the previous episode that I think is really important. I think with Wolverine specifically, him not having like an X Man costume, like, or his X Man costume, I think is like a thing that is kind of damaging to my perception of him as an X Man. Yeah. Um, I made the case that like I think the X Men wearing the goofy yellow jumpsuits, right? Like having something that is like this very like. It is kind of silly. Like, his outfit is kind of silly looking. And I think that Wolverine is such a, like, tough, 
like scary guy and a guy that you don't think of as someone who plays nice with nicely with others or who would be a member of a team or who would be like a mentor to children that he when he's a part of the x-men is willing to put aside his individual baggage as logan and be wolverine and be part of the team and don the uniform i think like that's a moment for me that has never felt like it mattered in those movies it's a pete's point first i guess that's I think that's kind of an, I think that's like an interpretation ultimately. I mean, sure. and, and that's true of comics historically, whether it's his role with Shadowcat or Jubilee or X twenty three. I mean, this fatherly aspect is true. Ultimately, I think the X Men movies capture the pathos of what the comics are about. Now, certainly, there's not as much bombastic elements in the comics. They don't go and hang out with Mojo. Um, they don't go to outer space and deal with the Shi'ar. Um, they don't battle these big, weird alien bugs called the Brood. None of that happens. The dark. Yeah, I mean, I've read all this, these comics, but I think ultimately they capture the pathos of what these comics are about, which is teenage angst and um, kind of feeling displaced and the you know subtext of being an outsider in the sense of maybe racial tensions, uh, homophobia. I mean, this is all things that Brian Singer has talked about countless times in interviews, and I think that's ultimately... So I mean, that's achieved because ultimately it's an interpretation. And but again, like you, like you bring up Brian Singer, right? And I think one of the things that bothers me is like it's in interviews, like he's been the one who said like, he like, doesn't let them read comics of the X Men. Won't let them read comics of the X Men. Th- like has made comments about how nobody wants to see Wolverine running around in a yellow suit because it's silly. And again, like I do feel like he. Like, whether or not he understands the source material, I think he feels embarrassed by it. And I think he has that kind of, like, mentality. We were talking about this off camera last night about how a lot of... um Especially before, like, the mass exodus of, like, nerd culture being popular, a lot of comic adaptions or, like, stuff about comics was, like, seeking legitimacy and trying to, like, no, oh, no, comics aren't lame. They're not for kids. No, like, they can be, like, gritty and dark and psychological and all these things. And, like, if you read comics, you know that. And that that, 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 that doesn't have to come at the expense of bombast, as you put it. No, I know. I'm not, I'm not trying to disagree with that. And I think his attitude about the X-Men, like, that embarrassment about his source material is present in the art in a way for me that's, like, palpable. And that's fine, but to me, I don't think it matters that much because ultimately I think he gets the important stuff down. And I think the subtext of the X-Men movies presents more meaning than your average MCU movie because I think ultimately those are kind of popcorn movies. And I mean, I'm not saying that the X-Men movies aren't popcorn movies, but I think there's more subtext and meaning to them because of the cultural implications. I want to jump in. and then, and then I will say this, yeah. though. If... In a hypothetical situation where the MCU does make an X-Men movie, if, if it was handled as well as a Winter Soldier or something, then I have no problem with that. I just don't want a, a bland, generic X-Men. I think the MCU has proven it doesn't have to do that, right? Like, no, of course, but yeah. it could happen. Yeah, I think, I think it's just like the bland movies in the MCU are mostly uh, origin stories. And I think they come off as bland because origin stories are formulaic and we as comic readers are familiar with them. Like, I, I A lot of the sequels, I mean, not, again, not all, like Thor 2 is, I think, the worst of any of them. But, like, Cap 2 took a lot of risks and tried to do something new. Yeah, um, but, I mean, uh, this, is a, this is Cap a, 3. This is a can of worms to open up because then you start criticizing Marvel movies and you go, like, whoa, you don't like that? I'm not going to go there. You're going to trigger okay. us all. So, so w- when it comes to the, the X Men costumes, one of the most important things about those costumes is that the X-Men have always tried to represent themselves as 
the ambassadors for mutants to humans, right? And hmm. to me, you can't do that when you're wearing all black costumes, hmm. looking like, you know, agents of, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, they, like, they, they don't look, look approachable. And yeah, in the comic books, they do. And I think that... They look like superheroes. They look like superheroes. They yeah. look like the yeah. Avengers. And I think that that's... Go ahead. Well, I'm just going to... The only thing is that the X-Men get so much hate from the public anyway. But that's the point, but though. Like, they wear costumes because they want to look like heroes. But the Brotherhood of Mutants also wear costumes. Yeah, but that's not... The, but it, just because they do doesn't take away from the fact that the X-Men are deliberately doing something. Yeah. They're, they're doing something with intention. And in the films... We never get that. And I think that, that the, why that's a key piece is because I don't know why the X-Men do what they do in the movies. I, I really don't. I don't know why they have to go out and, and you know, fight whomever. There, there's not a... There's like the, the, the battle that they're fighting, I don't connect with. Because I don't think that we've ever been shown, here are these people who are doing this thing and it's noble and their lives really suck but they're doing it anyway, and they want to, you know, bridge this gap. I don't, I don't get that sense. Well, the X-Men as characters, I've heard a lot of criticisms just from a conceptual standpoint that it's really irresponsible of this uh, professor to send out a bunch of militant teenagers to go combat. Yeah, but, 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 but that's, that's, that's the example Sean's talking about. You see that in those movies. Like, they're dressed like a SWAT team. <laughs> Yeah, it's worse than the movies. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Like, Cyclops, I mean, you know, to a degree, has the same color scheme as Superman. Like, that's for a reason. I think the Dark Knight is a good example of what I'm talking about. Because ultimately, the Dark Knight is a very, very literal interpretation of Batman comics. And I think that can't be denied. And I think what Pete will say, because we've talked about this before, is that it's at least he looks like Batman to an extent. Whereas with the X-Men characters, at least in the first two movies, they're still wearing black leather and are ashamed of it. But the thing is, really, it's not really much of a superhero movie. And a lot of people that like The Dark Knight that aren't comic book fans are quick to point that out because they're ashamed of the comic book aspect of it. Because for some reason, Batman gets a pass for a lot of characters, for a lot of people, of being the least comic booky superhero. For whatever reason. And the thing is... Um, it's still a very liberal adaptation because what makes The Dark Knight great isn't that it's a, an adaptation, it's that it's a good movie, which is my feeling on the X-Men movies. Now, obviously, I think Dark Knight is a lot better than any of the MC movie, MCU movies or the Fox movies, but that's to my point of the Fox movies, that when they are good, it's because they're good movies. And the other thing I wanted to say, because hmm. there's hmm. so much here okay. Okay. to unpack, is that a big problem for me with the Marvel movies is that ultimately... This is something that Yannick Paquette and Grant Morrison have both talked about, is that this, they kind of disembody this military entertainment complex, mm. where basically they just feel like kind of this jingoist propaganda, because ultimately the Avengers are like government-contracted superheroes that fight for the United States as like a paramilitary organization in mm -hmm. movies. And ultimately, I think it limits the potential that comic books offers, because they ultimately just kind of follow in the same cookie-cutter aspect, and what people like Morrison or Moore or any of these these English writers in the 80s were trying to do was make the medium greater than it is when the movies don't challenge these expectations. Can I respond to that? There's a lot here. I yeah, know, no, I no, no. a lot of thoughts. Yeah, and I think, I think the big thing, though, is, like, I think you touched on it, and, like, for me, it's almost the end of this conversation because yeah. I think it, it's a bow on it where it's yeah. that, like, you're right. Yeah. It does limit the creativity offered by comics, but that's why they're movies. 
Like movies are not comics. Movies do not have that am that amount of creative freedom, uh, spe specifically like when you're talking about superheroes, right? Because like the kinds of movies that can afford to take risks are not big budget blockbuster popcorn movies. Like these movies cost way too much money. They have way too many. They have, there's too much riding on them for That's them true. to take those kinds of creative risks. But I think a movie like The Dark Knight proves that that you could still do something uh, exceptional because ultimately, yeah, yeah, because it's a, yeah. an adapt, ad adaptation of a movie, of a book, huh? Kind of though. That's the thing. Why? You just said it's it's an adaptation of a movie, The Dark oh, Knight. Oh no, I meant like I meant like yeah, you kind of a book. You misspoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but that's was... the thing is that it literally takes some source material because ultimately, because it's a movie and not a book, it doesn't need to be stringently based off a book. Wait a second though, The Dark Knight is one hundred percent based on Batman comics. Yeah. That's Wait, the thing, though. It's like but, you, what he's saying. It is. That's what he's saying. Because the guy wears a cape and horns. No. But hang on, I'm not finished. Uh, but it takes from several different things. Like uh -huh. you know, he falls in a hole and sees bats. The Joker's there. Uh, Commissioner Gordon is there. He slams Joker's head on a table. That's. I mean, all of this stuff is from Batman comics, but it's applied in these movies liberally. Like yeah. it is inspired, but it's not a slave a slavish wait. representation. Of yeah, oh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. It doesn't. The, the argument has never been that they need to be slavish. If anything, I would say we've argued against that. But my point with Batman is that those bec because when he punches someone, it doesn't say "pow" does not mean it's not a comic book movie. It, it hold on. It absolutely represents the character because Batman is that in the comics. He is that. He's also, um, you know, the guy who goes to space and, and fights, you know, Darkseid. He's, he's many different things. Yeah. But for... Batman can be whatever he yeah. whatever he needs to be. For what, yeah. for what Nolan was doing, for the story he was telling, that's Batman. And that's a Batman that you can absolutely find in the comics, whereas with the X-Men films, I don't know where those characters exist in the comics. I, I'd like to make a counterpoint just based on like something that Sean said, because I think it'll maybe clear up what we're talking about. I would agree with your statement that like The Dark Knight isn't like necessarily a superhero movie, but it's definitely a Batman movie. Like, if you want to argue that the superhero genre is a thing with certain tropes and that the Dark Knight doesn't live up to those, that's fair. But I would agree with you that it's like, I don't think that Nolan's interpretation of Batman is like this wholly unique thing. I think it is. I don't. How? It's a, I think a lot of books that came out after The Dark Knight were inspired by The Dark Knight because of, in a lot of ways it was like the Christopher Reeve Superman in a way that inspired the media to follow. But ultimately, this interpretation of Batman is very unique. You're going to have to explain it to me because I've read a lot of Batman and a lot of it is before Dark Knight came out well, and I see Dark Knight. So, everywhere. I mean, think about, think about, and, and I think if I'm, if I'm hearing you right, like you're speaking cinematically. So think about like the Tim Burton and the Schumacher Batman and even, or Adam the, West. And Adam even West. the Adam West Burton. Oh, you're not talking about comics? I am though, but okay. both. But well, both. so we've seen gritty street level Batman in the comics. That's sure. his origin. That's his, you know, that's, I mean, that's base level Batman. Yeah. We've seen him go into space. We've seen him flamboyantly hang out with Robin. You know, we've seen him be like legit, legitimately like a cartoon character. Yeah. You know, it's like Batman can be anything. The, the point of the Nolan films and what makes them unique amongst the Batman cinematic canon is that it's a street level Batman, who s sort of fights these kind of ambiguous villains 
you know, Roz is kind of, he's kind of represents something bigger. Joker is representing like, you know, anarchy as opposed to just the Joker, you know, which you know, we've seen. interpretation of the Joker too. I mean, there was things they pulled from the comics, but ultimately that was like a very... Um, fresh take on the character. Fresh take on the character. Yeah. It's the, the same is true of Batman. No one's but, not. Absolutely. But, Wait. I, okay, go ahead, Joe. But what, what I'm saying is Heath Ledger's Joker wasn't there to be the Joker. He was there to be a symbol the same way Batman was. Unlike uh, Jack Nicholson's Joker, who was there to be the Joker. Okay. I, I, have, I have a direct response to that. The response is that the difference is that the, the Nolan interpretation was doing what you're supposed to do when you write, which is inject some truth or position about the world into the characters. You're not supposed to just, just here's the Joker, you know, let's yeah. have a blast. He was saying something. But and that doesn't I mean, negate the, the, the truth of the Joker character no. in that version of the Joker, which is the same, the same is true about Batman. In fact, I would argue that, that that same Batman from that movie is in every other version of Batman I've ever seen. And Phil, exactly. you're shaking your head. You're going to have to explain why. Ultimately, this interpretation... Oof, wait. Hang on. Whoa, okay. The, but, you, you, but you haven't. Like, the Joker, the Batman and the Joker fight literally on the street. The buildings are bigger than Batman. In the Schumacher films, Batman's he rides down what the Statue of Liberty yeah. in Batman yeah, and Robin. I'm talking about comic books. Well, then we're having a completely different conversation. No, because you were having a different conversation. <laughs> Phil was talking about the, the interpretation. <laughs> Both of, true, but yeah. Okay, so all I'm talking about are comics. All you're talking about is movies, and all uh, all Kale is talking about is movies, and I'm talking about both. <laughs> Okay, you know what? Honestly, I feel like this conversation. Another conversation. Is, you know, we'll have to unpack this. We'll have to pin this for another. We'll have a Batman episode for just all good Batman idea. stuff. I, I do want to ask you one more question to tie a bow on this. Yeah. Now that we've kind of transitioned to this Batman discussion, which I don't know how that happened, but whatever. You really want to talk about Batman? This is going <laughs> off the rails a lot, but I wanted to ask this. Um, so, to the point that I think we can all agree on, right? I think Batman like uh, is maybe the most malleable superhero. Like, I think, like, as a comic book character, like, you can... Batman can work as pretty much anything. Batman can be a comic character. He can be very dark and gritty. He can be a Justice League member and do high-flying space superhero stuff. Um, do you think that has any bearing on the way that we feel about adaptions of the character, that, like, we're more comfortable with seeing him in ways that are different because he's so comfortable doing whatever he needs to do, whereas, like, some of the other... Like, the X-Men or something like that, you know, we haven't had years and years and years of faithful adaptions to them where we're comfortable to see them pushed out of that zone a little bit? I, I would say that with Batman, uh, none of the interpretations of the character that we have seen so far have been outside of what happens in the comics. And with the with the X-Men... Well, I mean, Adam West Batman. Yeah, but... That, no, that's that actually is, too Silver Age comics yeah, more like that, though. Every, yeah. every yeah, right. version of Batman we have seen on screen has been a version that exists in the comics. And yeah, Adam West Batman was a total derivative. Uh, it, it completely derailed what was going on in the comics. Comics after that and during that coincided. Right, but it's represented in the comics. But the, so after, but the comics, but the comics code forced them to not tell Batman stories where he's just running around with guns no, and the, the Joker that's murdering. That's not what he's saying. He's saying it happened. It only happened after the movie came out, so it's not necessary. The Adam West series was revol it completely did its own thing. So, so it, it, it would be the reverse. It would be 
the, we we see what's in the comic from the movie. It, okay, so in that so in that one case, you're right. Yeah, I think that's true of the Nolan movie too. It's not. Mm, it's we'll not. Get, we'll get there another time because that's another topic. I think. So ultimately, I, we should ultimately really try to put a bow on this. I think. Well, to, well, let's answer <laughs> Pete's actual question. Pete's Pete's question was. Uh, do, do we feel like the the, the because Batman the malleability so, of Batman? Right. Okay. I feel like with the X Men, even though the X Men characters themselves are malleable, I feel that Fox has stripped them stripped them of everything that makes them capable of being that malleable. When you read the comics, you don't think about well, wait, they're in space. That makes no sense. That never crosses your mind. But if that if that happened in the Fox films the way they are right now, I would be like, okay, this is dumb. It's because in the comics they've earned that. And the films have not, and they don't want to, and that's stripping the X-Men of something that makes them who they are. I disagree. Can I hang on? Just just let me I'm just gonna establish something real quick. Let's make this the last point in this conversation so we can move on. Uh, yeah. so we can get our final yeah. words in here. Yeah. Uh, so Phil, go ahead. So the reason why I disagree with that is because in the context of the Nolan movies, you can't see Batman go to space because the whole point of the movies is that it's very grounded and gritty realism. And for the end of The Dark Knight Rises, when he flies the bomb out, a lot of people took great umbrage with that because it totally did not fit. In the context of the X-Men movies, similar thing because it's being established in a different aesthetic. But the Batman... Okay, okay. Alright, okay. okay. Ultimately we'll just we'll say that there's a there's a there's a fundamental disagreement. Well right. there's a larger conversation to be had about Batman on, in a later Oh that too, yeah. I guess. Sure. Marco, do you have anything for this? No. <laughs> I would, so my answer I think is maybe a little more superficial. I think it's a lot easier to see Batman as one person and seeing yourself in Batman. Yeah, so it's easier to it's easier to see him slash you, you know, you from his vantage point or whatever, doing more stuff. Whereas when you're watching a movie about a group, you know, maybe you can relate to one character, but it's hard to take a group out of a group context. Huh, okay. So, like, yeah, we could we could totally do the X-Men going to space and doing their big Dark Phoenix Shi'ar Empire garbage. Uh, but I, I, didn't, I didn't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> garbage in that it's a bunch of stuff that happens. You know, like garbage. <laughs> oh, um, boy. <laughs> we could do that, but that's the precedent for that movie. Right, right. Um, I don't I don't think outside of a... Uh, yeah, I think that's... I, I don't think a, a group can work malleably. Like, you're not going to have an X-Men movie where half of them go to space and then half of them stay on the ground and do... Yeah, or the stuff. Avengers... The Avengers are different though. When he said he said a group, and I'm saying the Avengers are a group, and sure. that works for them. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Um, well, I think if an X Men movie was made by the MCU, that kind of uh, and that tone would be set. Right. I agree with that. Um, so Can I, wait, oh, I when, think, when did that work? Well, they're 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 literally going to space in the next movie. They're going to fight them. Right, but that is space. what they're doing. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, what's your thought then, Kale? Like, well. As as a group, that's what they're doing. The Avengers are going to space to fight. We haven't seen that yet. 
Are you saying that if that in the context of the Thanos movie, I'm saying um, I'm half saying the team can't be on Earth and the other can't be in space. I'm saying I'm saying you can't have like two separate missions going on at once. Well, that's Bat- a, Batman is one person, so he has to do one thing a, at a time. That's a that's a kind of like I don't really understand your what you're saying there. Like you can't they, have a subplot. You like you're yeah. saying. You're I think I think I think what he's saying is that it's easier to wrap our head around the idea that Batman could be doing a lot of things because Batman is a singular character, and we also like. Like, we know Batman can, like, Batman is, like, a guy who can do anything, you know? And it's, like, I think it's a little easier to wrap your head around the idea of, like, Batman's here learning karate. Batman's flying a bomb off the thing. And I, I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. I, I don't... I don't... Yeah, I don't know if I'm explaining it. Well. But, yeah. but you're, you said... You said that two characters can't can't go on... You said that a team can't go on two separate missions at the same time. Because you're going to have eight different personalities in one group and then eight more in another group. I, I just don't see how that is going to work reliably in a, in a, in a film. Well, obviously with any movie, if they do try to do too much, then it will be messy and won't work, right? Yeah. No matter make your, make your last point. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess just like asking the question was kind of my big final point. It's just I, uh, I, I find Batman to be really interesting because I think he... The, to Phil's earlier point that he seems to get a weird pass that other superheroes don't get and I, I think it is that in some way like Batman is Bat. Batman is just Batman is special Batman is Batman can be anything and can resonate in a lot of different ways that I think are really interesting and I, you know what I hate about myself is I, I totally remember a thing I wanted to like counterpoint something Phil said about the X-Men like three hours ago with the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies right as we agreed to end the episode yep. Yep. so <laughs> Let's move on to the next segment. Professor's man. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Hopefully this like I don't know. Listeners prepare your essays. Yeah. What do you what do you think about DC versus Fox? Where do you fall? Marvel versus Fox. Fox. I mean, DC versus Fox. Why not? <laughs> what do you think about any of the things we just said? Because we had like 16 conversations. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you know? Because we don't. And also, <laughs> would you prefer to see the Fox? characters integrated into the Marvel Universe or do you feel that they're better off being separate? Um, if you guys want to let us know, please like hit us up on Twitter uh, at the Comics Pals or each of us individually. Um, you can definitely uh, send us an email at thecomicspals at gmail.com. That's thecomicspals at gmail.com. Or, uh, you know, send us anywhere else that, you know, comments, anywhere that social media is sold. Alright, so that's the end of that segment. But before we wrap up the show, we're going to do something a little different. Uh, we're going to experiment with a game and Pete's going to kind of Explain it to us and get us started. Yeah, um, so this is like a game we kind of, I, I came up with on the fly last night when we were kind of brainstorming ideas for the show. Um, it's very in its infancy. I think we're going to try to develop it more as we play it on the show. Uh, but for right now, the code name of it is uh, Apples and Origins. Oh, God. And uh, th- that's, you know, you can thank Kale Ward for that one. Yeah, and, you're uh, welcome. <laughs> So the game is essentially, uh, we're going to put 60 seconds on the clock, we're going to go around uh, in a uh, counterclockwise motion, and um, each one of us is going to have to name a, or we're going to have to pick a attribute for a comic book character. So last night we did, um, we created a a supervillain who was a Silver Age uh, comic book character with uh, red hair, who was an alien, had chunky finster pants. No eyes. And was black. Black, no eyes, and was psychic. So, so it's a round robin of creating a superhero. Yeah, and then when you get to the last round, every person has to pick a name, and then we all vote on who gets the name. And, uh, and actually, that could be the point system. Whoever's name gets picked gets the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
We'll figure that out later. Yeah. We'll sure. figure that out later. There'll be some way to do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe one person... Uh, well, okay. So maybe we should do three rounds? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll do three rounds. Let's, do, let's do two rounds. Let's I think we could do three. We could do three. Yeah. Too bad. All right. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm going to... How are we starting? Who's like, starting? Like, uh, it's, my, it's my game. Yeah. So yeah, I'll yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and go. Okay. Uh, it's a female superhero. She's black. Lots of poop. <laughs> Where? <laughs> That's Marco? not the game. Oh, the golden armor. Golden armor? Yeah. Okay. Uh, she's uh, uh, she's from uh, a jungle. Okay. Um, she uses the poop as a power of some kind, and uh, it's like a projectile. She wields a lightsaber. She communicates with the poop. <laughs> <laughs> the poop is sentient, and her partner. Oh, That's gross. Her uh, her 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 arch villain is a a a, a toilet. <laughs> She has a plunger as a sidearm. She wears a cape. <laughs> she is dressed like an American flag pinup girl. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the toilet talks. Uh, uh, her the toilet's lair is porcelain. <laughs> <laughs> the toilet's British. She An imperialist. Time. She, okay. Oh, that's. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that poo thing, you threw us down a weird path there. That's the first time we've ever played the game on the show, and you think it poop princess? What are you doing over there? You should find the right one. Oh, okay, okay. We have to come up with a name. All right, all right yeah, so now, on our own, each one of us comes up with a name, and then we'll share them. I got one ready. So, all right, let's take five seconds or whatever, everybody think. I'll go first, because I'm ready. So, all right, go ahead. Porcelain poop princess. <laughs> okay. Like, I was going to the Amazonian fortress. <laughs> oh. Fuck. You got one, Cal? That might be it. Uh. <laughs> no. Okay, you got one? I'm, I'm, I still need one more minute. Sean, you got one? No. I had one that you fucked up with. That you ruined it. Sorry. No, it's fine. It's just you beat me to the punch. What was it? I was gonna be like the like the the poo princess. I had like a couple uh, things like that. I was thinking a letter of you, facetia. <laughs> oh, wow, that's a really good one. Wow. Right, I'm gonna go with the fecal female. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right, Sean. I I'm terrible at these things. I'm going with an old favorite, the Black Panther. We're gonna get in trouble for that one. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Alright. So what do we do now? We, so now we all it? vote. We all vote. Wait, wait, what was yours? Oh yeah, I guess we should restart. Yeah, we should, we'll say it all one more time. Alright. Porcelain poop princess. Amazonian fartress. Facetia. <laughs> the fecal female. Black Panther. <laughs> okay. So everybody for Black Panther. Can't vote for yourself. Let's, yeah. let's oh, be yeah, clear. That's a good rule. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh all wait. Right. Okay. So then for me then. So the fecal, the fecal female. female. Uh, I'm gonna throw my vote for that. Okay. I'm gonna throw my vote for that. Anyone else? Okay. No. Next. Facetia. Yeah. I'm with that. I'm with that. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going. Oh, uh, that's majority right there. Yeah, there we go. Winner, winner. Facetia. Nice. There it is. All right, so Kale gets the first point. Oh, that's how. Oh, so we're yeah. just like. Oh, we got okay. it. That's the game. Um, Let's do a second round. Okay, so Kale, since you won, now you start. Pressure. All right. Because I'm inventing the rules as we go. Sure. <laughs> sure. Just wait until you can buy this at home, kids. <laughs> What do you got for us? All right. Just pick your first thing. Yeah, I got it. All right. All right. Here Three. we go. Uh, they're from the center of the earth. Damn it. I was... What the fuck? <laughs> I was the same exact thing. Go, Marco. Go. 
No, it's counterclockwise. It's counterclockwise. You. No, it's you. No, it's just go! Go, no, go, go! That's clockwise. Doesn't matter, just go. Oh, oh, somebody go. Start over, start over. Boo! <laughs> okay, ready? Are we starting a new round? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Same, same, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, same thing, but just start from scratch. Yeah. All right. All right, here we go. From the center of the earth. They're turtle people. <laughs> They're black. <laughs> uh, they surf on molten lava with surfboards. <laughs> One of them's called Michelangelo. Oh. <laughs> They're, uh... <laughs> Is that... Other than Michelangelo. <laughs> but you know, you can't pick names. Yeah. We have to name them later. Oh, I, I was, was going to say, they're all named after uh, U.S. presidents. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I like that. Okay. Um, they're Chinese. Wow. They can't they the center of the earth? Who yes, says? they can. Yes, they can. Oh, and they're turtles. Racist. They're blind. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of graffiti on their shelves. <laughs> they use uh, their smell for guiding themselves. They they carry uh, uh, sci-fi blasters as weapons. <laughs> they use rollerblades. <laughs> they have a spaceship. They have huge boners from Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> Why? No, I don't know. They're attacking New York City. Oh, oh wow, that was a, okay. Jeez. All right, so since know. this was like a, a team of some kind, let's right? name the team. Yeah, name the team. team. Yeah. Oh fuck! All right. Oh, that's really difficult because a lot went into this one. Okay, so to recap, real quick. They live in the center of the earth, they're mm -hmm. turtles, they're black and Chinese. They surf. They surf and rollerblade. And they're named after on US lava. presidents. On lava. With they surf on lava, they rollerblade when they're on the surface. And they're named, um, after, they're presidents. named after US presidents. Except for Michelangelo. Except for Michelangelo. Except for Michelangelo. <laughs> and um, there was one other thing. Oh, and they have, they have blasters, they use ray guns. Okay. Oops. All right, so everybody take a minute. All right, I got mine. You go. All right. The Rowdy Ray Gun Turtle Team. Oh, frick. <laughs> <laughs> That's double alliteration. You That's like that? Real good. <laughs> Kill. I got it. I got it. The Super Sci-Fi Lava Boys. <laughs> Not bad. The Multiracial Surfing <laughs> Presidential Turtles. Also Michelangelo's there. <laughs> <laughs> Crossover. Marco. Taft and the Turtle Tank Team. Oh, frick! Oh, <laughs> that's got it! Jeez, I like Dang it! <laughs> the Turtle Tank Team. No, Taft and the Turtle yeah. Tank Team. I'm, just gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and put my vote in. That's got it. Uh, the... Yeah, I got double alliteration. You kidding? He got every word. <laughs> <laughs> I had double alliteration too. That's nothing. <laughs> the Teenage Mutant Black... Alien turtles. <laughs> Alright, Michael Bay. <laughs> Shit. Oh, oh my god, okay. Alright, uh, so let's go around one more time. Alright, so I had the rad ray gun turtle team. I had the super, super sci-fi lava boys. <laughs> I had the Taft's... Taft's turtle tank team. No, Taft's tank turtle team. No, Taft and the turtle tank team. Oh, Taft and the turtle tank team. <laughs> I forgot mine. The multiracial multi surfing presidential turtles. The teenage mutant black alien turtles. <laughs> okay. I don't even know if that was right. <laughs> I think it was. Put it to a vote. All right. I, would, I, wish we, I would love to put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> 
It's just like, especially like I'm thinking of it as like, like a fucking one of those like old PSP commercials where it's somebody in like a really like deadpan bus. It's like, it's like the uh, mutant black Chinese whatever fucking turtles. <laughs> I like the fucking turtles. <laughs> Oh. All right, so all right, so um, we'll, we'll vote now. Yeah, all right, so everyone for the teenage mutant black alien turtles. <laughs> okay, next. Uh, the rad, the rad raycon turtle team. The, I'm gonna go with that one. Next, the super sci-fi lava boys. <laughs> I might go with that one. That's pretty funny. Taft and the turtle tank team. That's mine. It's uh, a yeah, strong contender. I'm going for that yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it to you. All right. Well, that's two because everyone else had voted. So that's it. Yep. Marco with two points. Nice. Right? No, no, you got the no, first one. Yeah, oh, so one each. One each. Yeah. So we'll do one more. Yeah, we'll do one more. See if maybe we can get a tiebreaker. Or yeah. If not, it'll just be a three-way tie, which is funnier. Okay, Marco, you get to lead us off this time okay. and let Kale set the clock, and uh, we're going to go to Kale after Marco, just so we have the order clear. All right. Yeah, good call. <laughs> uh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay, okay. Ready? Ready? Yeah. Go. All right, it comes from the center of the sun. Oh, <laughs> jeez. Okay. Uh, the sun is a, a prison. Oh, Everyone's a fish. <laughs> They're all black. <laughs> <laughs> Way to be stereotypical, Sean. Black fish in prison. Oh, Phil. They all have projectile uteruses. <laughs> It's a women's prison. Okay, go. <laughs> they break it. <laughs> oh, it is. They break out of the prison and attack Mars. Okay. <laughs> the uh, story now. <laughs> the, uh, the, 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 the lead in this story is, uh, uh... Pass! It's a dolphin! Go! <laughs> they all die in the end. Okay! Spoilers, go! <laughs> they all fuck each other's blowholes. Oh, okay. <laughs> what in the go. world? So it's a rated R story. Go! go. Oh, the, the, the fish and the dolphins t- fight, fight each other. Okay, go! The Martians are fish. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! Beat? What's it? Time. <laughs> what are even the characters? They drive fishbowl cars. I don't know. We have to name the so, story. Name the story. Name, name the story. story. Fine, name the story. Oh, so take your time to think about it. <laughs> Ridiculous. Oh, oh, uh, the, uh, the arc. I can't get over the fact that the arc, every time the first one is they're black. <laughs> the arc. That's my go-to. The arc is called a whale of a tail. Okay, whale of a tail. I'm still thinking. I'm still thinking. Yeah, I'm still thinking too. That was my strongest performance there. <laughs> okay, I got one. It's super bad, but fish planet. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, blowhards. <laughs> That'd be good. Kale Sean? Cell block solar mayhem. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Uh uh the comics pals. <laughs> we all have projectile uteruses. <laughs> yes. Okay. Put it to a vote. All right. All right let's hear them one more time. Uh, a whale of a tail. Blowhards. Fish planet. Cell, cell block solar mayhem. And the comic <laughs> spells. <laughs> All, right. All right. I'm going with the blowhards. Yeah. yeah okay. So blowhards. I'm going with the blowhards as well. Yeah. Woo! You got it. Three way tie. No. Yeah. Three way tie. No winner. Cool. Could you one more? That's kind of fun. 
I think uh, I think I think we've done enough, and I think we'll do this again. It's fun for us. Hopefully, we could maybe do a tiebreaker of some sort between the three of us. <laughs> maybe. Oh, maybe, let's, uh, let's actually do yeah, that, and we'll play. If we won't do it, and we can vote, and they don't get to vote. Let's look. Uh, all right. Oh, yeah, let's right. Yes, let's do it. All right. All right. So what are we doing? Mean? All right. Cool. So we're gonna we just we just figured this out. So again, sorry, we're coming up with this as we go. But we're gonna do a final round now, where it's gonna be our three way tie. They'll all go, and Sean and I will be judges. Oh, I like it. I like it. Okay. I like okay. it. I like it. All right. So um, and since it's a lightning round, let's put half the time on the clock. Oh, I like it. That's good. Coming up with rules all over the place here. <laughs> So are we doing a storyline or character? What I mean, that's, that's up to us. It's happening every time. All right, all right. Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Well, I mean, Kale's the yeah. time guy, yeah. so. I mean, you just have to yeah. watch it. All right. Could, do you guys want to let, like, Contestants? Do, do you guys want to set us up, or is it just nope. going to be straight? It's cool. It still starts. Mm-hmm. It still starts. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, should we should we set up the first thing? Because it's like a tiebreaker. We're coming up with new rules. Yeah, give us a subject. Okay. Sure. Like uh, a topic. Okay. Or, or I mean, like right. you know, story well, character. Yeah, like, yeah. If it's yeah. It, okay. You guys, the judges can decide. I think we should go with what's been consistent throughout this entire thing. <laughs> blackness. I think they should be black. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. They they should be black. Oh. Oh okay. yeah. Right. So it's a black team of superheroes. Go, Maybe. Go. Right, I'll start us off, and then yes. we'll go to Kale, Marco, and then. I'll just explain. Me, then Kale, then Marco, and then. Alright, right, ready? Okay. okay. <laughs> So, there are a black team of superheroes. No, that... I thought it was just black. They're, they're, no, they're black. Decided, okay. Well, oh, no, Pete, Pete said they're yeah. superheroes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we right, both yeah, picked yeah. the thing. Yeah. Right, my, yep. Yeah, my bad. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. okay. Go. They have a surplus of earwax. <laughs> they're, tra- they're transgender. <laughs> they're also cats. <laughs> Cannot afford Q-tips. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they, they go Pass. on shopping they're, adventures. They're, oh. And they're thieves. They live in shopping carts. <laughs> they cotton swabs. <laughs> Q-tips. <laughs> Poop. What? You're saying words now. Go, Kill. Uh, the cotton swabs are their greatest enemies. <laughs> and so are yarn. And the cotton swabs are made out of poop. There you go. Kale. That defeats the purpose of the... Kale. <laughs> they have rocket boots. <laughs> and their tails are mechanical. They drank all the milk in the grocery store. <laughs> they, 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 Stop. They, <laughs> okay. So they're black, transgender cat thieves who live in shopping carts and rob grocery stores. That's all I remember. Too many tails are mechanical. Oh, okay. Surplus of earwax. Surplus of earwax. They can't afford Q-tips. They're cyborgs. They can't afford Q-tips. That's why they're robbing places. Right. They have rocket boots. And the rivals are Q-tips made out of poop. (laughs) Which defeats the purpose, apparently. Now, name it. (laughs) Name it. Oh, what are we naming? The book? That's the name of their enemies. They're poo tips. Okay. So what are we naming? The the, The the story? Name the story. Okay. The story? Oh, another team? Name the team. Yeah, name the team. The Black Cat Pack. Okay. I like rhyming. Give me a second. (laughs) Cat wax. (laughs) What in the world? (laughs) Or they have too much hair on their Or the meow agents. You have one. Yeah, but... Pick one. You have one or the other, bro. No! Yep. The agents of, meow. All right, all right. agents of Meow. Agents of Meow. Is that your final answer? Final answer. Final answer. Okay. Locking it in. Transgender tabby cats of. <laughs> Transgender tabbies. Come on. Target. Transgender tabby cats of Target. Okay. I kind of like it. I'm not going to lie. Right. That's crazy. Okay. So let's recap. All right. Cat wax. <clears throat> agents of Meow. Transgender tabby cats of Target. 
Okay. All right. Sean? Uh, well, you know, I think that these are all terrible. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go with the one that I like the most, which is Agents of Meow. Woo! What do you think, Pete? I mean, you! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that makes this so much more, anti- more anticlimactic. The first Marco. ever winner of the game, Marco! Woo! What do I get? I'm kicking the ass. <laughs> you get to end the podcast! This episode of the Comics Pals! Alright, so that about wraps it up for this episode. It's been a blast doing it with you guys here in person. Uh, Honestly, this is the most fun episode I've done. And it ran a little long, but this is special for us. And it's not going to happen very often at all. So we hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, And if you did, be sure to leave us a like and a comment on the YouTube video and subscribe to our channel. Check us out on iTunes and leave us a star rating there and a comment. It helps us out a lot. Um, Check us out on SoundCloud. And interact with us and let, let us know what you thought of the episode on Twitter and Instagram at the Comics Pals, or you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. And we will read your questions on the air, please. If yeah. you, you know you want to send in and have a dialogue with us, that's we will we'd love that to become uh, you know a big part of the show. Yeah, submit a random question of the week. We will yeah, definitely that'd be answer awesome. it. Seriously. Yeah. Um so plugs, Pete. Cool. Um, so again, thanks as always for joining us here on this episode of the Comics Pals. If you guys want more of me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at loud underscore Pete. Or if you want more content from me, you can check me out on uh, my YouTube channel, Slack and Slash, where I do Let's Plays. I have a podcast every Monday and uh, do scripted shows on Wednesdays <clears throat> and uh, retro shows on Thursdays with a couple of my friends uh, from here in New Jersey. Cool. Kale? Uh, I'm going to plug my comics company, Panos Publishing. We're a small publishing house with a focus on getting novice creators into the uh, comics industry. Uh, You can find our stuff on panelspublishing.com. And uh, I also have a a book out with panels uh, called From the Deep. Um, It's on Comixology for uh, $1.99. You can also find it on the the website. Uh, Please buy it. I'm hungry. Uh, and finally, you can find me uh, at Toto Into on Twitter and Instagram. That's T O T O I N T O W. Marco, I am actually just transitioning to new accounts, so you're gonna find me at Woe Is Marco underscore and uh, on Twitter, and hopefully Wall Marco on Instagram when I finish that. I want to uh, plug my favorite indie movie, X Men Three: The Last Stand. <laughs> <sighs> what about Instagram, Twitter? Mm, okay. I don't, <laughs> I don't think X Men Three has an Instagram. <laughs> uh, follow me at Cyborg Holiday, like Doc Holiday, the character on all social media, and I'll, I mean, you can harass me. It'll be cool. Awesome. So, with that being said, I think we are the Comics Pals signing out with a special word from Pete. If you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. <laughs> Take care, guys. Try to mess with a guy trying to save a bunch of kids.